The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Ronnie, he's Paul, and yes sir, I can boogie. The Betfred is over for another year. Disappointing, yes it is. But we're fifth in the league. The Scottish still to come. Plenty still to play for. Join the conversation on our socials. We're at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, Betfred Review... Who Am I, The Loan Report, The Women's Team, Lottery, 50-50, Christmas Raffle, Podcast Merch, The Academy, On This Day with the Arab Archive, and the best thing to come out of Switzerland since Cuckoo Clocks and Doblerone, our number one Benji Segrist is our special guest. It's all coming up on episode 73 of the Dode Fox Podcast. Hi, I'm Leo. These two are pricks, but you're listening to the Dode Fox Podcast. So welcome back to the Dude Fox podcast. Yet another Saturday without a game, watching through our fingers, all that shite that comes with it. But what did you get up to? I was helping our mate Andrew Mufus. That mean, was it. The less said about him being back here, the better, because I'm moving. Correct. He is Property m- prices have dropped dramatically. <laughs> he has moved to Shaggers Avenue. Yes. <laughs> That's An what undisclosed location. That's what you tell me you say. Say, tell Abdi I've moved to Shaggers Avenue. So I was like, okay. And if rumours are <laughs> be believed, you're moving there and I just know together. <laughs> well, know together. Know together. But yeah, Saturdays out football, man. It, it's, it's no great. It's, it's grim, is it? No, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. Saturdays are for football and particularly for Dundee United playing football. Anything else is just a bit of a chore. Uh, so obviously, it was out of our hands at the weekend for the Betfred uh, I never knew Aloha we're still going to haunt with being a league <laughs> up what's going on uh, I couldn't make it up eh? there was, there's a bit of me that thinks well you know what you didn't deserve it because you got beat at home for Peterhead uh, but at the same time that that means that was only one game you know and if results had went our way yesterday we would have been through but yeah lo and behold it had to be Aloha did it imagine 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 needing to hope Stenhouse Muir could do you a favour. Yeah, well, but that's it. And that's that's why a big part of me thinks, well, you didn't deserve to be in the next round when you're relying on... Especially look at the group that we were in, no run. It was us and St. Johnson. So, I mean, that's a toss-up between us straight away. And then you've got Brechin, the worst team in the world. You've got Kelly Hearts, not even in the bloody leagues. And Peter Head, well, hadn't won away for him for 12 years or something. And we didn't go to that group. So, it's a, it's once again similar to last year. It's it's a self inflicted wound, but it's done. It's in the past. There's no point in greeting about it or or going over old ground again. It's it's done. We're out. We'll move on. Yeah, really. I think again the biggest disappointment is it's another year since we've won the league cup as it's as it's kind of known. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I've never seen we lift it. <laughs> no, no, me neither. And you know what? It's I don't I don't go along with the thought that ah, well, it's it's a dingy cup. It's it's like a Mickey Mouse cup. Nah, it's no. It's like United. We've said this loads of times. When the season starts, there's three trophies that we're in for the league. We're not going to win the league. The Scottish Cup. It's a long shot. The League Cup. It's a long shot. But they two are your best shots. They might be long shots, but they're your best chance at any sort of silverware. So to go out of one, it's clearly disappointing. Uh, so I'm not going along with the theory because I have seen it online uh, to a few boys saying, "Ah, well, we can concentrate on the league." 
I, I don't think that you, you need one or the other. You could have both. You could clearly have both. It, it shouldn't be an issue. For all the games that you actually play in the League Cup, uh, but the flip side to that would be, even if we had got like a cup run, it's, it's no a cup run as such this season, is it? Because you're watching it for the living room. So, you know, I don't care how much more money the club would have made unless you get to the semi or the final and prize money, but it's, it's still disappointing. Any time United go to a tournament or lose a game, it's disappointing. Yeah, obviously, when you, let's touch on the uh, the game during the week. Uh, St. Johnson away and I know we've, we'll, we'll mention about away pricing as well by the way we, we certainly need to mention that today what did you make of the game during the week? <laughs> well <laughs> against popular opinion I didn't think we were that bad uh, when I was watching the game I felt like we we had a lot of possession we were alright going forward uh, defensively we weren't uh, I didn't think we were great even though at the end we've kept a clean sheet but I think there was a few a few good chances that St Johnston wasted uh, I feel uh, but then at the end of the game it was it was online people saying ah it's another game we've not had a shot on goal and uh, when I was watching it I didn't uh, I didn't appreciate that we hadn't had a shot on goal because we were getting into good positions like we hadn't been doing the last few weeks McMullen was uh causing a problem to the St. Johnson defence, just by running at people. I thought he had quite a good game. McNulty, Clark, they were, they were linking up no too bad, but um, it, it's hard to defend when you don't have a shot on target again, but I felt that we, we did play a wee bit better. Yeah, I mean, it was what I think coming, it was out in the group shot, direct each other. I mean, saying and having that conversation, like, it didn't feel that way. You know, it was, seeming, no. you know, it was, a, it was a different kind of game and, no, that felt like a cup game, but it was that again. You know, changes were made. Uh, Yando Fuchs started, uh, impressed mm-hmm. for sixty minutes. I thought he put himself about once he settled for five minutes just to get his foot yeah, on the ball well. and stuff. He done well. Yeah, he looks like a wee buzz bomb up there. Yeah, <laughs> he was in the wars right away as well, which I love to see the battle. You know, he's up yeah, for that. Yeah, of course. Of course. He's not shying away. He's not shying away for anything. It didn't uh, didn't put him off either. He just got up and got on. Yeah, after about twelve minutes of treatment. <laughs> With the uh, as the, as the game went on, obviously it's uh, right to to penalties. Um, we we get to that, and giving our uh, record of late, what were your feelings when it went to penalties? Honestly, honestly, I, you want to win, but I was thinking that's us out. I, I felt that like we to get through, we had to win the game in ninety minutes, or and this was only my my thought at the time. Like, but I thought if we didn't win the game in ninety minutes, we're out. So. Penalties, it didn't really matter, but you still want to win. As I say, anytime a, a team called Dundee United is on a football pitch, they, I'm wanting them to win. Uh, but the penalties, they were very good. Uh, and Dennis was, well, I say they were very good. Well, this one we'll get to in a second. <laughs> yeah, we all get there. But uh, Dennis was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, to save two and a half penalties, because I'm going to give him a half for the Craig Conway one. And it had to be Conway, did it? Yeah, it was just incredible. It, it was it was slow motion for me watching it. I could only imagine it was even slower motion for Dennis when he was up and sprung to his other side to try and get out of the net. It was I've never seen a penalty like that. And when I was I was watching it with Leo, and he was like, "Oh, it's a save." I was like, "It's no save." He's like, "Yeah, but he saved it." No, it went in. He's like, "Yeah, but he saved it." I was like, "No, it went in. <laughs> it's no save. It's a goal." Balls not stop moving yet. <laughs> exactly. Um, can can we just have a wee mention for? The following day, top shite housery post on Twitter by a certain player's wife. 
Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. As Mark Connolly apparently finally landed in his back gut. And he's in his back is, yeah. It was uh it was an absolutely dreadful penalty. <laughs> I mean we, we can joke about it now, eh? And and even at the time, like I did I kinda laughed at the time because it was so it was so bad. And I think I think Dennis after the game, he he was getting interviewed from the DUTV guys and he said, Ah, Connolly's in the dressing room saying it clipped the bar. I don't know what bar he thought it clipped. Maybe in up the A9 or the something. Clip bar. Didn't the clip bar. The clip bar. Ah. It, was, uh, uh, it was dreadful, but, you know, these things happen. He was brave enough to stand up and take it. I was kind of surprised that he was one of the five, and then right after him, I think it was the ginger James Bond. Smooth. I mean, Shaking, not stirred. No, nah, he just, he could have done it blindfolded. Oh. It, was a, it was a really calm, composed finish. But, uh, yeah, th- that was one surprise with the penalties that I was surprised at two centre-halves took them uh, and that's not having a go at them by any means because they were brave enough to step up but I thought others in more attacking positions in the team would have maybe offered to take one before them I think it probably comes down to how comfy you are you know of course you know, and Mark Connolly should never take another penalty okay? if he's feeling comfortable I'm telling him he's not comfortable and I tell you People that off penalties. The, the biggest surprise um, I had was that Nicky Clark went last you know I think your best penalty takers got to go first yeah you know, me that, too because you might never even got to him. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Eh? But that's that's what people do. Yeah, but, but then you didn't. You didn't. You didn't know. Maybe the person taking the first penalty is like, "Oh no, I'm definitely scoring." He might be super confident himself. Yeah, who knows? But but the, we we won the penalty shootout. We got two points. Big wow. It, it meant nothing in the end, I suppose. But at least it was confidence building for future penalty shootouts. And um, to touch on the next visitors are Hamilton at Tannadice mm. on They're going well, Saturday eh? you know they are going so well you can put a bricker on they'll get a 1-0 win on Saturday or it'll be 0-0 no <laughs> no 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 way no. No, we're winning they are they we're are winning. they're in a bad time and uh, it's really time I mean if, if you can't look at their results and go we're going to add to the woes on Saturday yeah then what are you doing you know well, I, I made a bit of an airsort yesterday because I was looking, obviously, for the Hamilton score. And I said to Martin, oh, Hamilton, I've got a morale-boosting victory today. They're three up. He was like, ah, that, that got awarded to them, 3-0. I was like, oh, <laughs> fair dues. So they've still not scored. Uh, but yeah, they, they've they've been very, very poor recently. But they, you tend to find Hamilton go on these bad runs and then, you know, they pick up somewhere along the lines. They just That's just what they do. They've done that for the last however many years. Uh, but they're not picking up this Saturday on. That's not happening. No, we're, I, we're winning. I agree. A, a game in 90 minutes, we are winning that one. And I, I don't care if it's just one shot on target, as long as it goes in. Correct. <laughs> and another clean sheet for us would do do the damage. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that that's coming up this week. Obviously, we, we can't go any further without mentioning what the nation were mm. pining their hopes on on uh, Thursday night. How typical Scotland was it to be cruising <clears throat> along until the last minute? And and listen, if a boy zings it in 30 yards out top bin, right, fair enough. I'm not hearing a boy header in unmarked eight yards out or whatever it was, but what a night. What a night. And what a result for the country. It was incredible. And I'm, if I'm being honest, the last however many years, I'll always watch the Scotland games, but I find it very hard to get up for it, to get excited for it, 
Uh, and even even through the week, like in the build-up to it and all the videos that the national team social media accounts were putting out, I didn't really watch them. <laughs> because I, I my defeatist attitude was thinking, we'll we'll find a way to blow it. Uh, so I wasn't I wasn't overly hyped up before it. I sat down to watch the game and I thought they were excellent. They were absolutely excellent. They they should have won the game in 90 minutes, and no, just because they scored right at the end of 90 minutes, but we could have been a couple of goals up. Uh, before the game, obviously, I, I was speaking to you and, and we were aware that Shanklin wasn't actually in the squad, which was unfortunate, uh, but thankfully he wasn't injured. He was just the odd man out. But uh, it was just amazing. And then when when they score in, in the last minute, you have, you know, a line that we've said many times, you know, we've seen this movie before. But then we got to extra time and we were hanging on for for life, basically. Uh, and then it went to penalties and kind of there's a team that can target penalty. It's Scotland. That's 10 out of 10. Absolutely amazing. And I'm, I'm no embarrassed to say it. My eyes were absolutely welling up when Ryan Christie got interviewed. Uh, now, I might not like him when he plays for Celtic, but that interview just... It was just incredible that it meant so much to, to the players as well because... A lot of the time, you know, they get accused that it doesn't mean as much to them. And, you know, I, I was I was guilty. I, I didn't feel it meant that much to me until it actually happened. And then I was just taken aback. And then uh, maybe half an hour later, you see that, yes, sir, I can boogie thing coming out. And Christ, if that's no number one in the charts in the next couple of weeks, then I then again, what's going to top that? But it was just incredible to hear some of the players coming out, all the videos that, all the videos from over the country, people watching it uh, and Marshall saving it. Just incredible. I was so proud to be Scottish. But I'm always proud to be Scottish, but it's usually easy not to be overly proud of the football team because they're they usually lit with doing uh, over the past twenty odd years anyway. But uh yeah, this summer's gonna be good fun, regardless. Do you, regardless uh, of what happens. You, have you got any memories of watching ninety eight? Of course, yeah, because I'm an old man Ron, as you keep reminding me. I, but I, so I, I, was, I remember it. Yeah, I was working in uh in the NCR at the time. And the first game was uh, it was a midweeker against Brazil, and the factory like you, they were they were allowing you to work a couple of hours extra or something so that you could watch the game. But I was on an early shift anyway, so I was away home right in time for the kickoff. So yeah, I can remember that. I can remember. It. I still kind of stand Tom Boyd to this day for that on goal. So I, I clearly remember that game and that tournament as a whole. But it was like a mixed tournament, wasn't it? The Brazil game was a high. And it was so <laughs> typical Scotland, so close, but so far, they actually a good result. And then I think we we drew one all with Norway or, or something, Burley scored. And then we made an absolute mess of it in oh. the end against Morocco. Then we got pumps. Absolutely humps. The Scotland way, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I remember it. I remember, and, uh, you know I remember being a really nice... Take it for granted. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I remember watching, you know, 96, and but 98 especially, you know, I was... 15, 16 at the time, but I remember the, um, I remember coming home uh, and we ended up, it was a really nice day uh, and we ended up, <laughs> we watched it on, well, it was probably an 18 inch portable telly with a bit, we, like the old school, big else on it, out the front, probably couldn't really see it for the, for the glare, but I mind some of the neighbours being there and getting wild in about the tinnies and I mind getting a sneaky half can of lager and probably been hung over the next day because I wasn't in my diamond white phase <laughs> at that point. But I just remember it being being brilliant. But I remember the I remember being very confused at the goal 
because I couldn't believe it had happened and I refused to mm-hmm. admit that it had happened but like you say the Scotland way the, the way it was but just brilliant for 22 years and there's been so many nearlies since it's, it's then incredible what it, it's incredible what it does to the to the, the mood of the nation now I know everybody's not a football fan but I mean football is the number one sport in this country by a country mile nothing that I could see unites people like a, a successful national team or something. It's just incredible. Uh, and it was great, as I say, the social media was a great place for, for Scottish people the last couple of days. It's been it's been wonderful. And I could only I could only hope that we uh we can continue that into the summer. Can you imagine how drunk this country would be if we actually won something? Not just qualified, if we actually won something. Just just cancel the rest of the year, eh? Got to get up. <laughs> <laughs> get up um, it'd be incredible I know of uh, I know of one man who will remain nameless uh, who celebrated Thursday night as you're allowed and uh, I got a text the next morning of his bunker and uh, no at the box obviously his breakfast bar uh, of at least 12 tinnies and 6 fancy German beers that I'm led to believe him and the young lad put away uh, and had to work from home that morning and then had to get his wife to drive him to work. And the best part about it is he rocked up on a team's call at three o'clock that afternoon with me and others and uh, still had his Scotland tap on and I didn't think he'd been for a shower or a wash. He certainly hadn't washed his arsehole. He might have slightly done his hands. (laughs) Well... I mean, that's a happy man right there. That's a sign of a, of a happy man. Definitely, definitely. And then he actually said, because, you know, he's been the same forwarder, but he was at the Brazil game and he was at the Norway game. So rightfully, mm. on behalf of us and everyone else, I called him an arsehole. Correct. And that's exactly what he is. But yeah, so that was it. And that's probably the way a lot of people were like, but it was absolutely brilliant to watch. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, you know, extra time was tough going, but hey, it wouldn't be Scotland if it was going to be easy all the time. But no, it tough. makes it it makes it all the sweeter when when you actually get a victory when you know you've been under the cosh. Yeah. And as I say, in ninety minutes, Scotland were the better team. It was only like the, the tide turned when they scored so late on, which is always happens. Like if a team's chasing a game and they get a last minute equaliser, of course their tail's going to be up. But uh, to come through victorious. Wow! Yeah, what a night! And uh, we are recording this slightly early, so we we can watch the game this afternoon. We've just seen the teams have come out. Lord Shankland is on the bench, and he's also the first United player to be part of a Scotland squad who qualified for a major tournament since since Billy McKinley in the Euro '96 qualifying campaign. Superb, brilliant, superb. Yep, good achievement. And obviously, the hangovers are lingering because there's loads of changes <clears> today. <laughs> The Slovaks should be hung over as well because they, they went through through the week yeah. in extra time. Yeah, so it's uh, it's going to be great. It's great to get that feel-good factor about because you know what? I think a lot of people were probably still expecting Friday to be usual Scotland. You know, take was so close, so so near yet so far, but absolutely superb. It's been great since and uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, two games still to go in this international break and then obviously the plan is into next year and, and see what all happens. So it should be absolutely fantastic. Right, let's move on a little bit. Um, given, obviously, United were on a plane, you've had to do your research. 
uh, what's happening Lone Report Academy women's team and all that kind of good stuff right where are we Lone Report we'll start with the Lone Report so Kieran Freeman uh, it was Peter Head uh, against St Johnson yesterday Kieran has once again played another full 90 minutes for the Blue Toon as they went down 3-1 to St Johnson they did hold their Premiership opponents off until the 49th minute but the Saints ran away with it after breaking the deadlock Another good 90 minutes for Kieran No, and he's fast becoming an ever-present for Peter Head. Ross Graham at Cove Rangers. Ross again played the full 90 minutes as Cove once more beat Forfar. Last week was 3-0 and this week it was only the one. He's played a part in helping the team keep another clean sheet and he's also came close to scoring with a header from a Fraser 5 cross in the first half. It's also worth noting that Florin Hotty was back in the Forfar starting lineup, and although I couldn't find any specific details on how well he played, he did get the full 90 minutes. Archie Mikasin at Spartans. Last midweek, young Erch found himself back in the starting lineup for Spartans as they took on Vale of Leven. He was instrumental in helping Spartans secure a 6 0 win, setting up a couple of the goals in the process. On to the weekend, and Archie kept his place in the team. It wasn't the best of afternoons for the youngster, though, as he was subbed off in the 73rd minute and his team lost 2-0 at home to Bonnie Rigrose. Good to see him get a couple of starts, however. Jake Davidson over at Waterford. So last week, I told you that Jake's Waterford were due to play Finn Harps away and if they won, they had a great chance of finishing third and qualifying for Europe. Well, they absolutely blew it. Despite dominating the game for large portions of the match, they succumbed to a 1-0 defeat that ended their hopes of qualifying for the Europa League, and Jake's loan spell is now up. He did get some more valuable experience over in Ireland, however, but only time will tell if that stands him in good stead for when he is back at Tannadice. Cammy Smith at Ayr. Nothing to report on Cammy this weekend, as he wasn't part of Ayr's matchday squad, as I'm assuming that he was cup-tied due to playing for us against Peterhead and Brechin. For what it's worth, Air beat Stranraer 6-5 on penalties yesterday after drawing the match 1-0. Chris Mockray at Montrose. No game this weekend for Montrose, but they did lose 2-1 to Stirling Albion during the week in the Betfred Cup, and young Mockray was nowhere to be seen. Now, I'm not sure if he was rested or if he's also cup-tied. That'll be one or the other. Uh, Nathan Cooney at Kelty Hearts. Nathan Cooney started this match on the bench for Kelty, but was subbed on in the 23rd minute of the game. The team ran out 2-0 winners on the day, confirming to me at least that Brechin really are not very good. Incidentally, Nathan was also on the bench in Kelty's midweek draw to Peter Head. They ultimately lost on penalties in that one, though. <clears throat> we will move to the women's team. So you've got a big big report here because I've stole it for Facebook. <laughs> so sit tight. All right, we'll just sit and we'll just get, get along. Or... Sit tight, on. Sit tight. No worries. So it was delight at half time, but despair at full time as Dundee United lost 3 1 to Queen's Park at Lesser Hamden. Despite going ahead through Robin Smith, United squandered three points as second half goals from Louisa Boys, Chloe Doherty, and Samantha McManus turned things around for the Spiders. Gavin Beath made one change from the last Sunday's win over Stirling University as Aliyah J. Meach was replaced by Caroline Nachman, I think that's how you pronounce her name, between the sticks. Midfielder Holly Napier had the first chance of the afternoon after four minutes as she was laid off by Tammy Harkin, but she fired over. Nachman was keen to impress in her first appearance of the season and did well in the 10th minute, denying two, the two Marys, Fife and Crooks, in quick succession. 
United should have put themselves ahead four minutes later when another harking delivery found Robin Smith who could only watch as she sent the ball wide from close range. The Spiders' as Fife thought she had guaranteed to score just before the half-hour mark as she rounded Nachman inside the box and sent the ball towards goal only for fullback Rebecca Foote to make a last gasp. Chance, Eld. Let me say that again, Rondo. A last gasp clearance to hook the ball away. It wasn't long before the deadlock was broken, and after 32 minutes, Smith had the honours of doing so for the second week running. Harkin's set piece being pushed onto the woodwork, and after creating some space, Neve Guthrie rolled the ball to the winger to lash it into the net. Crooks and Louisa Boys couldn't find a target for the hosts either side of Harkin dragging her shot across goal after collecting a fantastic Napier ball. With three minutes remaining, the midfielder saw another chance pushed wide by Katie Andrews, but the final opportunity of the half fell to the hosts. When Nashman spilled a shot, but she managed to get her hands to the loose ball milliseconds before the striker fouled her. Are we all still hanging in there? Good. Yeah, I'm just watching the, the updates for their game at the moment, so that's all okay. good. Well, you can, you can impart with some knowledge at the end of this. It took just 124 seconds into the second half to produce another goal, but unfortunately it was for the hosts as boys struck past Nashman from just inside the box. One minute later, Steiner Clippy, my favourite player, almost put United back in front, but her free kick was inches too high and went out for a goal kick. Both defences were very much on top for the majority of the second half, with very little to write home about until the 82nd minute when Queen's Park took the lead. A loose ball found itself rolling towards Chloe Doherty and she sent a 25-yard first-time effort into the top corner via the hand of Nashman. United pushed for an equaliser, but it wasn't to be as the Spiders sealed all three points with three minutes remaining. A quickly taken free kick lost possession for United and it allowed sub Samantha McManus to make it 3-1. That result means Gavin Beath's team fall to eighth in the league with four points from four games. And as Ronnie is about to give you an update on, the, the ladies are playing away to St. Johnston today. See, and I appreciate you stealing reports now, make your job easier there, but um, one all uh, in that game. Took off Neve, got about 3-1. What to tell you? What to tell you? Mm. Uh, so yeah, they're playing St. Johnston. Uh, it was half past 12 kickoff, so it's nearly half time as we're recording this. And uh, we're 1-0 up. What do you think scored? That'll be Neve. Of course. <laughs> Who else? Who else would it be? <laughs> no. Stay on the clip he's playing though as well. So, Favourite player good. still in there. She, she, she's a good player. <laughs> right, academy team. We'll round up with the academy team. This past Friday, the big team's wee team fished off against the wee team's wee team up at Station Park, the under-18 Dundee Derby. We set up in a 3-4-3 and although we couldn't find the target, we dominated the first half. Into the second half, and I'm reliably informed from the Dode Fox podcast Stig that we blew them away. We started using the flanks to great effect with numerous balls into the box, but no takers. We have went close on numerous occasions, hitting the post at one point, but finally and thankfully, Kai Fotheringham has stepped up to break the deadlock and notch the winner in the 82nd minute to give the big team's wee team a 1-0 win. There were also, I am reliably informed, a number of scouts from the English Premier League at that game, so we perhaps no get too excited about seeing any of these boys coming through all at once uh, because they might not be here if they're as good as I'm led to believe is that it? so we won we won good we bet the days that's that's all we need for you and we confirmation that we've beat Dundee again so uh, is that it? 
you done? You updated what? I'm, I'm done. I'm done. All right. Uh, the United Futures Lottery, by the way, uh, jackpot this coming week is £2,000. Uh, if you have not already uh, claimed your 50-50 or anything from Tuesday night, uh, the winning ticket was worth £150. The number was 104642. And it was a £50 second prize to ticket number 104632. Don't forget you can... Uh, Thanks for swallowing your water there, nice and loud. Uh, don't forget, you can sign up and get details at unitedlottery.co.uk and remember, all the proceeds uh, go to support Our Academy, which is always a good thing. I mentioned it last week, want to continue to mention the 2020 Christmas raffle, which is for the Dundee United Community Trust. Uh, they're basically, you can buy your tickets, they're £3 each, or you can buy four tickets for £10. All the funds raised from the Christmas raffle will support the work that Dundee United Community Trust does in Dundee and the surrounding areas. Uh, the final date to get your tickets is Sunday 20th of December, but we are going to support this every single week up until then, basically until you buy tickets, right? So until we know all our owns about tickets, we're mentioning it, right? So keep Correct. buying them. Uh, you can win £500 cash, £250 cash, £100 cash, uh, one of two tables for four at uh, United Hospitality. Uh, one of one of two uh, match day mascot spaces and confirmation. Paul, you're too old to win. And uh, a 2021-22 membership for Junior Academy. You got a holiday camp golden ticket and more prizes still to be announced. Uh, if you want to find out anything more about it, uh, go to the Dundee United Community Trust website or indeed their social media. And if you're on the Just Giving page, if you search for 2020 Christmas Raffle, it will get you there for all the details. Like I say tickets £3 each or you can buy four tickets for £10. So there we go. And good luck if you have already bought them and thank you very much for doing that. Uh... Right, let's um, uh, let well basically just just before we got on with the the runaway successful game of uh, people shouting out loud uh, in their headphones to the amusement of others, uh, you are going to right a wrong on who am I this week? Yes, because I've had one extra week, and uh, people keep pulling me up, whether it be by DM or publicly outing me as a cheat, which I do not appreciate. Uh, so I'm going to be asking the questions again. And then at the end of this, when Ronnie doesn't guess it, I'll still be a point ahead, but we'll have we'll have played the game the same amount of times. Yeah, and uh, the rules, uh, do you know the current score? Uh, no, 14, 12, 14, 13, 12. 13, 12. Yeah. Who? You. Okay, but that's, that's the only brag that I'll get because... You'll get this today. <sighs> I'm fairly confident um, you'll get this today. To remind people of the rules, uh, I have to have seen this player playing, so you're technically on about 91 onwards. And a rule that is casual when Paul's picking a player is they have to have played 50 times and he picked a man who'd only played 48 times, which means Paul's an arsehole. But you, but you guessed it. You got it correct. It doesn't matter. You got it correct. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. So... Five points if you get it right in the first clue, four points if you get it right in the second clue, three points for the third clue, two points for the uh, fourth clue, and one point for the fifth clue, or like Paul's hoping today, zero. Uh, do you want to, remind, do you want to remind us of who the player was last week? Uh, I can't mind. 
Who was it? Was it Jamie Dolan? Jamie Dolan. And what, Jamie Dolan. What was your final like, clue? Sounds like... I, I can't mind. I've moved on. I've moved on for that. <laughs> that was so, so many days ago, Rondo. I can't mind. Right. What was what was that shitey clue anyway? It was like slimy, slimy stolen or something. Something terrible. Brilliant. That's genius. Oh. Right, let's go. Who am you, I? You strapped in? Sitting tight. Ready. Come on! Here we go. Okay. This player made his debut for Dundee United when Jim McLean was the manager and played his last game for the club under Ian McCall. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're talking. He's there 92-93. And McCall was... Jesus, so you're talking a good six, seven years. Made his debut under McLean and left under McCall. His last appearance was under McCall. Jeez. Ah, well, well then. Ah, is it obvious? No. That's done. I'm saying no. He was a striker. Is that what you said? Didn't I say anything like that? Jim McLean signed him. 93. Would have to be there about six, seven years. Older player. Could be a mm, goalie. Nah. (sighs) So... And he, he, like, he's no, is this a trick clue? Did he leave in the middle of this? Did he come back? He made his debut under Jim McLean and he left under Ian McCall. (sighs) Nah, no idea. That's, nah, I've no idea. I've I've absolutely no idea. This player played 72 times for the club scoring four goals with the last one being in 1993. <laughs> what? <laughs> Signed by McLean. McCall bombed him. Many appearances? 60, 60 70? 72. No. No, no idea. No idea. <laughs> right, okay. This player played for a number of clubs in his career, with some of these being Brecon City, Livingston, Albion Rovers, Clyde, Motherwell, and Carnoustie Panmuir. Right. Because this is, this is the halfway, it's the crucial stage here. Yeah. I mean, McLean yeah. played his last <clears throat> game under McCall. Made 70 appearances or something, didn't score much. What were the teams? Uh, Brecon, Livingston, Albion Rovers, Clyde, Motherwell and Carnoustie Panmuir.
That's a pull that's coming to get you for a terrible clue. If anybody can hear that. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I think I've got it. I'm listening. I'll ask you a question. Have we given away his signature? Possibly. Gary Bolin. <laughs> Gary Bolin Le- it was. Livingston. When, when you said Livingston, I'm going, there's no man, it's been Livingston. And then I couldn't have got Brian Welsh's face out my, out my head. Yep. Gary Bolin. Well done. That, that, I, I purposely made that tricky this week because I can't, you were going to take the lead. So, uh, but the next the next two clues yep. would have be, would have been this player was born and bred in Dundee in 1973, and when he left us the first time, it was in a deal that involved more than one player. Alec Cleland. Alec Cleland. Uh, and then the last clue would have been this player collected a winner's medal in our 1994 Scottish Cup win over Glasgow Rangers, but was an unused sub that day and is a current manager in Scottish football, plying his trade in League Two. I was I, I was too, the first clue, and even the second, I was too stuck on somebody being there that length of time, but he obviously came back. I yep. was too stuck on somebody being eight year, but no playing much, could be in the background, I was thinking of goalies, and... Oh. It's fun when it's easy, Ron. It's not fun when it's easy. You've got to earn these points. 15, so you're now 13. two points ahead. Yeah, fifteen thirteen. So it's... okay. But uh, the first two weeks of doing this, I got one point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, obviously, I read the the whole of the Arab archive every night now before I go to my bed. So that should never happen again. <laughs> Hopefully no, but they were they were tricky. It was tricky. So uh, let's know you got well, on as, well as always on social media. We're at Toad Fox Podcast on there. Uh, right, a couple of messages this week about the uh, the podcast shop and some of the hoodies and the t shirts. I think people think there might be Christmas around the corner. Um, the pre orders will open tomorrow for the logo t shirt and the logo hoodie and the snoods. Uh, it'll be for about seven to ten days, so we can guarantee pre-Christmas delivery. Uh, the Bob, the pom-pom beanies are should be in this week. Uh, they will be in stock, so they can go out a lot quicker. So once they're in, we'll put a message out. But uh, pre-orders will open tomorrow for the logo T-shirt and hoodie, and um, there's still some mugs. Uh, I've got some mugs that are actually going out today. So you'll whoever's ordered recently, they'll go out. Uh, and uh, oh, and by the way, stay at home. Scrandis League is obviously back next week as well, and uh, we will. Get Give away our first stay at home Scrandis League of Mug uh, on for uh, on Saturday, so that'll be on next week's uh, episode. And we'll take care of all that and stuff. But uh, that's just wanting to mention that. And so, if you are looking for something uh, for that person you love who listens to this podcast and could do a wee bit of walking about advertising, then please buy us a hoodie. Buy us a hoodie. No, buy from us a hoodie. <laughs> or the t-shirt. I'll, I'll take a hoodie. Boys, I want to buy hoodies. Double XL. Cheers. Uh, but thank you very much to everyone who has uh, supported so far it's been much much appreciated right now it is the time for the best thing to come out of Switzerland since cuckoo clocks and Toblerone 
So our guest this week on the podcast is our number one. It's Benji Seagrist. How are you, Benji? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Very well, sir. Yeah, no problem at all. Listen, it was nice of the manager to give you the night off on Tuesday ahead of this chat as well. Well, you know, I, I always want to play, so um, I, I guess so, I guess so. But whenever whenever there's a game, I like to be playing. Yeah. Listen, before we get started, what was it like playing in those conditions on Friday night? Yeah, it was uh it was special. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I, I think um obviously you guys would have would have watched it on, on, on the screen, which would have been which would have made it much worse. Um the second half was really bad. I didn't see their goalie, I didn't see any of our um, corners or anything, so I could probably see as far as I can kick it, which is normally the halfway line. So um no, no worries there, but um, but yeah, I think it definitely looked worse on the screen. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't see their goalie or anything like that. Were you thinking during mm-hmm. the game, it's maybe a matter of time before it it does get called off, or could you not even see the referee for that? <laughs> no, I, it, it was in the back of my mind. I think a few players, um, even even the Samaritan players, but um, uh, yes, yeah, one of them wants to just get on with it and, and make the best of it. So, but um, you know, the, the closer they got to our goal, I had clear vision, um, so there was no no issues there. But uh, I think after the game, the, nearly the goalie coach came to me and said, "Mate, I was like, I had no idea where you were. I can't tell you if you did anything <laughs> good, anything wrong. We were just we we just thought like every shot on target's gonna be it's gonna be a problem. But thankfully, it was it was okay. It was manageable. Yeah, brilliant. Listen, we'll get to this season and everything. We'll get to that part. But can you take us right back? back to what your kind of earliest memory is of playing football and how you got into it yeah so I I, I think I started when I was six years old um, you know lanky boy for my age um, started with a local club in, in Switzerland called FC Terville which is where my parents kind of been involved as well uh, behind the scenes and then um, you know pretty quickly um, had a dislike for running so that's how I ended up in goal anyway um, and then, then yeah, my dad ended up, you know, being my my coach, my manager at at six, seven, eight years old, and 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 you know, really enjoyed throwing myself in the mud. To be honest, uh, I really, really enjoyed enjoyed that part. And then, um, yeah, never really looked back. Never even thought about playing outfield. Um, just wanted to be in goal. I thought I thought the goalie position such a special position. I, I just I just you know I've got the box. That's my area. That's that's my area of expertise so and I don't have to move too far which is a plus <laughs> and then um, you know the, one of the best teams in, in Switzerland obviously is, is FC Basel so they're you know it's the local team the local big team they they won, they won all the championships and stuff so I've got you know we played them and they, they used to beat everybody by double digits and I think I think when they played us we only lost like four or five now so they thought you know what this, this, this guy is actually alright um, went there for a trial uh, at 10 years old uh, must have done okay because they've asked me to come come join uh, Basel's academy and um, yeah just just you know like a kid you, you're you you're 10 years old you're at the best club in Switzerland and you just kind of go with it and then uh, did all the uh, youth uh, teams until under 16s um, you know, won the under-15 leagues and under-16 leagues, under sixteens cups and all that stuff. And then, um, yeah, one training camp, the, the sporting director came to me and said, listen, we have this email address from from Aston Villa. They've they've, they've obviously seen you and um, 
what you want to do, what you're thinking, and and that was obviously overwhelmed. Didn't know, didn't know what to think, you know. And 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 uh, I remember speaking to my mum and thinking, you've, you know, I'm from Basel. I'm a local kid. Like I'm happy here, and I've got my friends. I've got my family. Like I don't really, I don't really see it. But my mum was like, you know what? Just just go and see what happens. You know, you just never know. And um, so yeah, I cleared it with the club. Uh, went over, went over to Birmingham. And actually had a game on the day before, and I got injured, and um, did, did, didn't tell anyone. Went over, and then when we got there, my mum said, "Listen, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but Benji's got a bit of an injury." And obviously, they wanted me to trial and, and train for three days and all that stuff. So they ended up giving me a treatment and sending me home after three days. And I thought, "Oh no, that's that's the end of that." Then um, that that didn't go out, you know, that didn't work out that well. And then. Um, you know, they usually say, ah, oh, you know, once you're back fit, we'll, we'll come and see you. And then, you know, eventually they did. So, so a little scout under the tree and thought, you know what, Ben, you, you know, he's coming back for you. So you, you better try your best. And, um, yeah, when I was, when I was 16, um, you know, they, they offered me a contract to join Aston Villa's Academy, which was obviously, you know, a little boy from a little town in Switzerland to, to go to a Premier League club. It's, you know, it's the jackpot. So, um, you know, again, speaking with my family and, 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 and checking out the situation, I wanted to do the step into you know, into England. Obviously, I had family who lived there, so obviously you know all about the Premier League and all about what football means in, in that country. So, yeah, packed my things, uh, left school, gone over to, to join the academy and, 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 and that was that. Stayed there for seven years, so quite a long time. Uh, I've seen many players come and go. Um, eventually, eventually started training with the first team, which was you know brilliant. You know all the stars, the Gareth Barrys, the you know Ashley Youngs, Brad Friedel was there, and then later on we had Shay Given. You know, I, I enjoyed training with them so much, learned so much of them, and and uh, you know was always kind of like a number three, the young goalie coming through. And then yeah, it was time to to play some football, so I went on loan a couple of times to to lower league teams. Uh, Solihull Moors, Burton Albion, um, and eventually Wickham, where I gave my league debut. Um, and then, yeah, my my time was up. Uh, I felt like I felt like I needed something new. I felt like I needed first team football on a regular basis, which is something I probably missed out on in the in the early years of my career. And and there was this team in in Switzerland, FC Vaduz, who were interested who could provide me first team football in, in the first division in Switzerland um, decided to leave England and go go play for them um, he played played the first year in the first division in Switzerland won the uh, won the Liechtenstein Cup uh, unfortunately got relegated uh, and ended up uh, being injured for pre-season and then kind of struggled in my second year to get back into the team and then, um, you know, after two years, I felt again I needed a new challenge, and and it kind of felt like, you know, the the British or the 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 football in in the UK suits me a little bit more than than it would back home, and and you know the opportunity to join Dundee United came up, and and you know I thought you know what, go back yourself and and try try to take another run at it, and uh, here we are now in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> See, like looking looking back to that, you know. It's probably thinking how big a move that is at 16, 17 to pack up your things like say, what was it like being at a big club like that at such a young age? I'm assuming were you in like, uh, well, digs and stuff like that? 
Yeah, yeah, I was in digs. Um, you know, I, I think I didn't realize it at the time because because I just thought like, you know what, I want to become a footballer, and this gives this gives me the best chance to become a footballer. And why not go and try and learn? You know, first of all, a new language, a new culture. Try and learn. You know, from from a Premier League setup. You know, Aston Villa is a massive, massive club, and uh, you probably don't think about all those things when you're 16 and you just leave everything behind but I just I just knew like I want to be a footballer and Aston Villa comes calling there's no there's no doubt in my mind like you go over there and, and you try to give it your best shot so and then again you know you get there into the dressing room and then you have you have lunch in the canteen and it's Brad Friedel and John Carew Gareth Barry Ashley Young and Gabby Agbonlahor and I'm just like well, last week I sat at school, you know, with my mates, and, <laughs> and now you're having you're having dinner and lunch with them, and and you know, it it, it was it was all kind of like a wow effect, you know, when you're 16, mm-hmm. it was just like you're taking it all in, and you end up going with the flow as well. So, um, you know, it was just yeah, it was like a big, 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 big thing. So you're saying that you left school. So did did you leave like without doing exams, or did you just finish, or? I've did uh, did uh, my school years. Obviously, Switzerland's school system is, is quite different. So I I was always planning to. I was always in a sports school, kind of we call it a sports school, where you two times a week you can go off for training. So you have to sit back and and do a little bit of homework later on, and and trying to keep up with that. And but they try and you know I ended up playing in the national team, so they give you a week off. Uh, you join the national team and all that stuff. So yeah, the, you know. Went into the the school director's office and said, "Listen, I'm uh, I'm uh, you know going to the Premier League. Uh, see you later." <laughs> type of thing. So, um, but 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 yeah, it was it was literally just you know you you know you just pack up your things, you pack your life into a bag, and 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 you know you you go and leave everybody behind. Mm. When you were uh, a young kid coming up, who would have been your hero? Who would have been the footballer that you can either wanted to be or threw yourself about hoping to be? Yeah, I remember one of the earliest, not the earliest, but one of the most influential moments were, was the Champions League final when Oliver Kahn saved those penalties against Valencia, I believe it was. Mm. So Oliver Kahn was obviously, there was like, you know what, the goalkeeper can be the hero here um, just by being, you know, being being the hero in the Champions League. Um, and then at the other end, it was Canisares, who at the same time, he saved two or three penalties in the game but he ended up on the losing side. And it's this moment where after the game, Oliver Kahn goes over and kind of kind of speaks with Canisares and kind of trying to, you know, cheer him up because he was crying and, and sobbing on the floor. And I think that was that moment where I thought, like, you know what, that's that's you know, that's awesome. And that's that's what it's like to be a goalkeeper and 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 you know, and then Buffon came along. Buffon is just just a hero of mine, he's just cool. You know, he's got that Italian flair and he had the pink goalie jersey at the time and and it was all about Buffon. Yeah, he was, uh, again, still playing now at 42. Still playing now, oh, unbelievable. 63 <laughs> years old. And even even <laughs> at his age, he's getting really good clubs as well. He's in Bayern Munich or something just now. But anyway, you go to Aston Villa at a young age, you're obviously probably, was the plan to always go out on loan to get more experience? Yeah, initially just just to settle in. So initially, I played. Uh, I was seventeen. I played in the eighteens, and then uh, you know, one or two years in, you go and play with the reserves, and that that was kind of like an aha moment of of English toughness. I, I reckon I got absolutely clattered on the cross, and you know, felt like crying, sobbing on the floor, and the coach just said, "Get the f- 
fuck up like you know, <laughs> giving, me, giving me giving me the look and it's like what is this Swiss guy doing like this is this is this is what goalkeepers do in England you know so that was kind of my welcome welcome to English football moment and then yeah you know you have those dreams of playing in the first team and all that stuff but like you know the path is not always a straight line so when you kind of grow out of that age or you're in that awkward age between reserve football and first team football you you want to go out on loan and and I had managers who who wanted me to stay back as a number three because they needed someone you know to cover the first team and, and I had managers who said no I don't want you to go on loan and and I need you here and, and I had managers who said no you need to go and play and make a name for yourself so I, I probably missed out on some playing time like I said earlier because I, I was sometimes forced to stay back and, and kind of just you make up the numbers sometimes but then again you, you're just trying to make the most of training with with you know, with Brad Friedel, with Brad Guzan, with Shay Given, who have, who have learned so much from. So you know, and then eventually, at the end of my time, I realized, you know, what I'm not not getting a chance in the first team. I need to go out and play first team football for my development and, and, and to push my career on. And that's how the move to to Switzerland came about. Yeah, and like looking at your loans, you said you went in a few of them. You finally got your debut. But f- what's life like for someone on loan? I mean, I- I'm thinking more like for Luke Bolton's obviously up here from Man City. You know, comes in at a worse period of time when the world stops <laughs> spinning. But for you, I mean, are you moving away to these clubs, or are they close enough that you can stay in your base at the moment where you are? Yeah, good question. Yeah, so so some of the clubs were quite close, uh, and some of the clubs they they obviously have digs as well where some of their players go because you know in those leagues they they might come from all over the country. So um, I always had a brilliant time on loan because because there's always a question about when you come from a Premier League setup going into you know a lower league, you know, can you adapt living outside that golden cage? And for me, I've I've enjoyed it because that football means so much more to them than when you play in the reserves. You know, there are there are win bonuses at stake, which means some mm-hmm. players can pay their mortgage and support <laughs> their families. And that's how I learned what men football is. And, and and to this day, I have loads of friendships from those teams because it's just, there was less ego. There was no ego. It was just about the little club, a little family, and, and they welcome you. So you, you try and do your best for them. And like I said, to this day, I have great relationships with 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 those clubs and with players of those clubs, and you know, try and follow each other's careers as well. So I I have really enjoyed it next to the next to the bonus of of playing playing men football. Mm-hmm. You mentioned international, Paul. Do you want to take this up? The fact that you read about Benji that you didn't believe uh, he's he's a World Cup winner. You are a World, <laughs> World Cup, Cup winner. winner. I am yes. World Cup winner, yes. Tell so us. It, it, was, uh, it was something that myself and Ron certainly didn't know, so we've done a wee bit of research, but we'll, we'll hear it from you firsthand anyway, and then we'll, we'll throw some names at you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, under 15 is, is kind of the first time where players get recruited for the national team. Um, I didn't make the cut. wasn't good enough at the time. Under 16s, I uh, made it into the squad, but as a number two, um, and then under 17s was kind of the time where the manager thought, you know what, ben, Benji is going to be my number one. And then you head into your first international tournaments. Um, so you start off with qualifiers for the European Championships. And, and you know, when you're 16 or 17, that's the biggest thing in the world. This is your biggest stage you're ever going to play on. And then you do qualifying rounds and then you end up at the European Championships, which we finished uh, third behind uh, Germany and Holland which is obviously you know you know a good thing um, 
And then if you if you finish on the top four, you go to the World Cup. And um, you know, I was just in my second year at Aston Villa. And uh, yeah, I remember um, leaving, telling my under 18 coach, by the way, I'm, I'm going to the World Cup. And he's kind of giving me the, well, yeah, I'll see you in two weeks, mate. You know, don't get your hopes <laughs> up. Um, and um, yeah, you go into this tournament as, as Switzerland, as a country who's never really done much in, in football up to that stage. I think the, the under 19s won a European Championship, of, you know, in the 2000s. But you go there and you have, you have an exceptional group of players um a, a, you know at, at their age age group and and then you start off beating mexico all right fair enough and then you play japan and you you win 4-3 and then oh, oh well now you're going to play brazil for the for top of the group oh, okay you win that one and then you play germany and then you win that one and then all of a sudden people start to take note and 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 it just kind of goes it just, you just go with it. It's just a positive role. And, you know, and you're, you're 17 years old. All you want to do is play football, play video games in your room. And what better way to do it at the World Cup where you can just stay in a hotel and play. And, um, yes, yeah, the tournament went on. We just beat everyone. We just beat everyone. And then that was kind of the first time playing in front of, you know, 60, 65,000 people in Nigeria against Nigeria with, you know, everything's getting thrown at you and, and everybody <laughs> against you. And, you know, you, you, you win, you win the tournament and you just, you just cannot believe that is happening to you. You just, you just, it was just a mental, a mental time. You just always, you're just always thinking about the next game. And after the final we won and we're like, yeah, so what's the next game? We, we couldn't realize what we've just achieved. And, and, yeah. and obviously and it was, zone. it was, yeah. And it was just, it, it was amazing. And it was just, just a little taste of what football is all about. You know, you, mm -hmm. you represent your country, which is something, you know, you can be proud of and, and to, you know, to go there and win it when you're 17 years old, it, it was just amazing, you know, and then, and, and, and it's just something you, you think you can never achieve, you know. It's incredible. Uh, as I was saying, some of the players that played in that tournament and you would have came up against a couple with Neymar, Coutinho, yeah. uh, Casemiro yeah. from Brazil, uh, we had from Germany, Ter Stegen. He's yes. doing all right for himself just now. Um, <laughs> Mario Goza, and I think the yeah. Leno, the keeper. Yeah. Uh, but but the one name that jumped out at me was, uh, he was playing for Turkey. Can you yes. remember who was in the goal for Turkey? Absolutely. We, we, had a, we, had a, we had a chat about it, I think it was a couple of months ago. Uh, Big Dennis, yeah. Um, and obviously he was, he was in the academy at Arsenal as well. So we would have probably faced each other without knowing it. Yeah, uh, you know, a few times. So, so yeah, it just I don't know. We just had a chat about it, and it was, came up, and he said, "Yeah, I remember that time in Nigeria, and we were if they would have won the next game, we would have played them. Yeah. So that would have been really cool, really cool story. But, uh, but yeah, you would have beat them. There. You would have beat them. I would. I would have thought so. I would. <laughs> Def, definitely. Oh, it depends if it went to penalties. <laughs> Yeah, well, then I would have had the shortest draw. <laughs> 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 and you you won the Golden Glove as well, didn't you? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so after the final, there's a, there's a steward that came to me and tapped me on the shoulder and and, and said, "Listen, you you got to come with me. You've won something." And I was like, "Now nah, nah, let me celebrate with my teammates. Just worry about it tomorrow. Speak to me tomorrow, whatever." And and guy goes, "No, nah, no, nah, come in line." And then you know, some somebody came to me and said, hey, "Listen, you you've won the Golden Glove, the best keeper." So um, very very proud moment for me. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, you're also part of the Swiss Olympic team at London 2012. Before you tell us about the experience, did you race Usain Bolt in the Athletes' Village? I, I, I would have, and I would have, yeah, I would have clearly failed at it as well. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the, Olymp- the Olympics was was a, kind of an under-23 tournament in, in football, so they, they kind of send a younger team and Unfortunately, the football starts before the opening ceremony because the tournament takes a little bit longer. So our 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 FA decided not to go into the Olympic Village, which is what kind of the mystique is all about. So yeah, we were disappointed. Um, but at the time, we had the Swiss number one, Diego Benaglio, playing in goal. So I was going to be a backup, which was a shame but then again it was a great experience to to work with a goalkeeper who's won the German Bundesliga and has over I don't know 60 70 caps for Switzerland so it was it was brilliant to you know just to share the room with him and a goalkeeper who's probably similar in style because he's very tall um to kind of you know look look at him and trying to trying to get some tips from him and, and talk to him about goalkeeping and, and about life as well so I wish, I wish we would have gone to the Olympic Village because I think that's the spirit of the Olympic Games, and I probably would have. I wish it would have been far away and not in London because I know London. <laughs> you know, it would have been nice in Brazil or Shanghai or something like that. But but there mm-hmm. you go. You, you know, it, it was a good experience to go, um, but I wish it, it could have been a little bit better. Uh, you mentioned uh, obviously coming through the ranks and what Aston Villa there was, a, there was a game on YouTube that I saw when I was doing some research yesterday which people are shocked that we do research this stuff but you were playing for <laughs> Aston Villa under 21s and Jack Grealish was playing as well and it just I mean what a player he's turned in as well his hair do know so much not that I can speak but coming through with him because he'll be ages with you I'm assuming he must be same age as you yeah no, he's, he's he would have been he would have been probably he would have been sixteen seventeen at the time. Yeah, he was he was you know what you you can just tell he's a footballer. He's an absolute baller. And his socks like, were down as well in that game. His socks were down, and he's, he's he had massive calves, massive legs. Um, he filled up a little bit upper body wise now, but you can just tell you, you give him the ball, he's not going to lose it. He's got great abilities, a great kid, and he, you can just tell like this guy is going to go really far. Um, yeah, I mean, really happy for him the way he's going for him, and, and and you know being the captain and getting into the England setup and everything. But which you know is a sign of of a good good academy which Aston Villa have, you know. But yeah, you could just tell like the kid is special. Yeah, it was just one of them when the team lineup come up and he was there at number eleven, which was which was cool. Uh, you mentioned your you know you it was time for a change. You headed back sort of to Switzerland, but Vaduz are actually based in Liechtenstein, but playing the Swiss. League, yes, yes. So it's a bit like like Swansea Ber- is from Berwick Rangers. Yeah. Berwick Rangers, yeah, correct. Berwick Rangers, they're in England. They play in Scotland. There you go. It's yeah, it's it's a similar setup. The league, they don't have an own league, so they have to kind of join with the Swiss league. Mm. Um, you know, they this you know obviously if they, if we would have been top of the league at the end of the year, they would have given the championship to the second team. Oh. So it's kind of a I feel like it's kind of a piss take, to be honest. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this. <laughs> I'm going to say it now. Sorry. Um, but then again, luckily, they have their own cup competition, which meant we were clearly favourites to win the cup, which means we had a chance to play for Europa League spots and stuff like that. So which was a, was a great bonus and which was also one of the things I wanted to do and try and play on international uh, level and in international competition. So yeah, it just felt like 
Um, needed a change. Obviously, been away from Switzerland, so it's, it would have been kind of a homecoming. Uh, all my my family and friends were happy that I'm coming back or closer by. Um, and and you know, it would have been it, it was good to play against Basel, which is obviously the team I team I left and kind of what my my uh, home team is in the big stadium and stuff. So. Yeah, just went along with that because I felt that's the best next step for me. Yeah, and then the big move come about. How did the actual move come about for you to come to United? Yeah, so my uh, my second year didn't go as well as, as I thought it would have. We got relegated and ended up being injured and not getting a chance to go back in the team and, and just thought like, you know what, I need, I need another change and, and, and also just felt like the way the culture is over here on the island it's just it's just different and you got to remember that from 16 till 23 24 i grew up as a, as a brit you know i'm 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 someone who grew up in the uk so i felt kind of like a foreigner in my own country because most of my teammates they would they would look at things completely differently um so i felt like i would feel more comfortable off the field if I would go back into back into the UK so my agent told me about you know got this got this team interested uh, obviously the manager at the time was was Chaba Laszlo um, and I said you know what I, I don't want to I want to stay in Switzerland I want to go and prove myself over there I feel like that's that's best equipped for me so again packed my stuff and, uh, and, and went up there and, and you know do the medical sign and then you know next day is pre-season and you get on with it how what's your you've mentioned preseason there? How, how what's a goalkeeper preseason like? We've spoke to some players that have been on, even some of the current players, and regardless of what position they play outfield, they hate it. Is it the same for a goalkeeper? Yeah, I think preseason is not enjoyable for anyone, and I think everyone who says no, I enjoy preseason is lying. Like he's <laughs> definitely lying. All right. So it's it's just different. Obviously, we, I've done preseason where I had to run with the players. Obviously, it's not the same level. They don't expect you to to run as fast and as long as some of the outfield players. But then again, if if I put an outfield player into a goalkeeping session, he'll be out of his depth within two three minutes. I can guarantee you that. So it's definitely it's definitely hard um, with you know getting up, diving left, right, a lot a lot more reps and all that stuff. So. Not enjoyable, but but it's very very necessary to you know to have a good base for the for the coming season. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you come in, obviously Shabba signed you. Laurie Ellis gives you a chance. You make it your own under Robbie. But how frustrating is it coming to a club? You get the number one shirt on your back, but you start on the bench. You know, is that a frustrating? Because no one wants to be a number two. I mean, you've said that about Tuesday night. You were gutted you on the plane. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's not ideal, um, but. You know, but to a certain extent, it's football. You know, football is about sometimes decisions that are out of your control, and and you know, the important thing is what you make of it. You can either I can either go and, and sulk and and you know be a bad trainer, or I can go. You know what? I'm going to show you. Going to train harder. I'm going to stay longer. I'm going to do extra. And you know, in football, you know you're going to get your chance, but you only might you might only get it once. So you have to be prepared for that one moment, for that one game. And and you know, we had the change of manager, and and he put me in straight away, and I never really looked back because I just thought, you know what, I know how disappointing it is to be a number two. So I don't I don't want to feel that way again. So you know, if if you get the shirt, keep it, make everything in your, you know, try and do everything you can to keep it. Do you remember much about your debut, or did it pass you by too quickly? As some debuts no. do. Well, we lost, so not great. We lost. We lost to Air two 0 away, I think, 
And we never win there. Scored. We never win there. No, we yeah, never don't, scored don't, there. Yeah, don't tell him he scored. He will. <laughs> sure he, I'm it, sure but, he's uh, more than aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so not not a great debut, but 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 then again, happy that it's finally the day finally arrived. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know that I can finally play. There's there's one game we're always we're drawn to. It's we get beat five 0 for error, right? And uh, but you went off injured early in the game because I was going to mention this. Shankland had scored. Had you had enough? Yeah, was that enough? Yeah, he yeah he mentioned that to me, and then I said, yeah, you you deeply wounded me, so I had to go off. Um, <laughs> yeah, another another bad day at the office. Um, did you know they took the lead early? Did you know he was special that day? Not really. I didn't really pay that much attention to it, but he was. He was just, you know. Obviously, I get my information before the game, and the information was, well, he, sh- he shoots from everywhere, and so he scored ahead us. So I was like, well, brilliant information, then, lads. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I got injured that day, so I had to come off. And then obviously, you know, we we got a bad result that day, which was really bad. But then again, we we kind of. We kind of moved on from from those days, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, definitely. Yes. There was a on a side note about Lon Shankland when we had um, we had him, Mark Conley, Mark Reynolds, and Callum Butcher on over the summer, and uh, Mark Conley told us that Lon Shankland turned up at pre-season with his agent. Everyone was doing the running, no sign of yeah. Lon Shankland, and then when the ball came out nope. on the Friday, he appeared in his full <laughs> kit. Yeah, he's clever. He's clever that way. Um, yeah, I, re- I remember we had. I think. I think it was Gaffer's Day, which is just. It's just running. You don't see a football. It's just who can last the longest. Who who wants to tough it out? And he's standing there on the sidelines with his tight jeans, and we're just looking over, going, "So, so you're not going to join us, or like, you're just stand there? Like, surely the papers are signed. Like, you know." And then uh, on Friday was probably the first the first time for the whole week we saw a ball and then he's out there. Um, so, well played, Lawrence. Well, well played. <laughs> yeah, he smiled the whole time they were telling that story. Um, <laughs> yeah, sticking two fingers up as well. Uh, <laughs> what's it like being in a dressing room on the transfer deadline day that, like what we had in 2019 when we had Butcher, Reynolds, Connolly, Paula and all that come through the door giving a team... Big Osman. Yeah, big Osman yeah. as well. What's it like the next day in training when these five new players turn up when you've got a collective going at the at the at that time? Yeah, it was it was fun because you just kind of I didn't really pay attention, you know, I didn't really obviously I read about oh we're going to sign this player and we signed that guy, but I didn't really pay that much attention, you know, and and you know, mind you, I, I just started playing, so I'm just I'm I'm hoping I don't get the axe here, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> So uh, they come in and the guys they introduce themselves and I probably would have forgotten the name within two minutes because it's you know it's Peter it's Mark and Mark and Osman and then I remember them signing on a Thursday I think or Friday and then we played Morton on a Saturday yep and I didn't have an idea and I was like oh they're both called Mark so that's not going to work out so I'm going to have to call them by numbers and obviously they started straight away. And, you know, as a goalkeeper, you're trying to communicate with him. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't know the names. Like, like are they left-footed? Are they right-footed? I don't know what's going on. And then we obviously got the good win uh, the, the following day. I think it was 2-1. Um, and we we actually started really well. And I was, I was just I was just thinking, like, how am I going to talk to these boys? I don't know their names. I'm going to have to see what's in the back of their shirt. And is it Reynolds? Is it Connolly? Like, what's going on here? So it was, yeah, it was, definitely, it was definitely weird. And then, obviously, we've kind of, you know, 
as you would as goalkeepers in the back four, you've got that little bond now. But yeah, it was, it's definitely special when people come into the dressing room. Yeah, how, um, I mean, we were obviously gutted as fans, but how frustrating was the, the dressing room after the playoff defeat to St Myrne? Yeah, um, very, very quiet. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you if you know, but I I was crying. Um, uh, I was I was just so disappointed because I thought we've we've done so well to put in put ourselves in a position to 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 go into the playoffs, and then um, you know over the two games there wasn't much in it, and we, you know. We, we only conceded one goal in, in the whole of the playoffs, you know, and I, it was it was just disappointing. And to lose in penalties, it was just it was heartbreaking, and and it was really really disappointing. And you know, some say I fueled the fire for the next year, yeah, a little bit, but I was still I was still heartbroken. Not gonna lie. Do you have a favourite yeah. game that you played in that season? Um, well, you think about I don't it. Know. Mine's was the Inverness playoff game. To be there was yeah amazing. Yeah, I think I think the the home game against Inverness was like the first time like it was almost a sellout. I probably what what was it been a sellout and had the flamethrowers and everything and it was just the games on TV like this is this is it. This is the highest standards you can play at. So yeah, that's that's probably my favorite game because you always gonna you know you have that standard of football and that's like yeah that's that's the game I want to be playing in. Yeah, that mm-hmm. I love, that's the game I lost my voice and I was in the second goal. <laughs> and if you listen not to the, third, the first time no well I, I might get the names right for a change um, but I think it's the uh, Osman scores and I, I can barely say Shafranco's name when he scores with 10 minutes to go <laughs> I was done in that's me every Saturday I've got no voice after the game so <laughs> uh, but yeah the Inverness game was was tremendous uh, Paul last one on on that season yeah big puff uh, like the fans loved Mr Safranco. Uh, was he as well loved by his teammates? Absolutely, absolutely, great guy. Um, very quiet, kept to himself, but he had that determination in his eyes. He was just working on stuff. He was always in the gym. He was always, man, let's do finishing. Let's can we do this? Let's train this. Very, very driven, and and he showed on the pitch. You know, he scored some very vital goals for us, and um, you know, to this day, a good friend as well. Yeah, I think he did. He not scoop most of the Player of the Year awards that season as well oh a clean sweep yeah he was it a was, little bit like, greedy we, we didn't even need to show up like it was clear <laughs> from the start like we're just like Pav you go we'll sit at the back and, yeah yeah no he was great he was great well hopefully deserved. we'll see him again yeah um, turning to last season uh, it was our fourth season down there as fans it was horrendous but what a way to start the season on fire a 4-1 win against Inverness which started off a, a good run um, the best start we could have asked for really Absolutely. Always, uh, you know, great to start off with the home game. Great to start off with uh, with the big man scoring a hat trick. Or did he score four actually? Mm-hmm. He scored four, didn't he? Oh. Yeah. So, um, no, great, great game against the Inverness team, who obviously we played in the in the playoff final. So we knew they're they're going to be up for it. You knew they're going to be good. They, you knew you're going to be coming up against them with the later start later stages of the scene, season for challenging challenging you for the title and all that stuff so uh, off to a flyer yeah and uh, over that three game, the three games we played that season undefeated in Dundee derbies oh yeah oh yeah like no question no question my favourite game <coughs> your, your record's quite good in derbies isn't it 
Like overall? Uh, over overall, I think so. Yeah. Huh? Overall. What was yeah. the What was the experience like playing the Dundee derby? I was I was really excited. I was really excited because everybody was telling me like, "This is the one. This is the Dundee derby and all that stuff." And then. And then, you know, obviously you hear about the 6-2 previously and then as the game goes on, you're kind of like, you know what, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then, yeah, we absolutely smashed them. It was, it was, a, it was a brilliant night. Um, kind of kind of the mystique of the Friday night game started there for that season mm-hmm. because all the Friday night games, I think we performed really well. So, well, yeah, that's just, well, 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 come well, on, we'll get to that one. We'll get to that one. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it was it was massive, and you could see the joy of the fans, and uh, you know everybody was there, and you know even with the away crowd, you, you're going to have some fun and uh, a little bit. I'm, I'm I'm sure the fans did anyway. So no, it was a good it was a good night. Yeah, when we were speaking to the the guys that were on it over the summer, they they a lot of them, and certainly Lauren Shanklin said the actual game at Dens was probably a bigger game because at the time yeah. it was you know really close, but. It was brilliant that was that was that the game when Butcher smashed them in the first minute and got booked? Was that Absolutely. that game? Uh, yep. Just setting a mark down. down. Yeah. <laughs> in the that was my favourite game, game. In the lead up to that game, though, sorry, Benji. Uh, there was a video that you, the club put out, and uh, I was watching it back again the other day because at the time it was hilarious, and it was when you were delivering a birthday cake for uh, yes. George George Morris. He was ninety seven, <laughs> and I think you were having a conversation with him and saying. Oh, are you going to be going to the game? And he was like, "No, oh, I don't really like going to the game. I don't like going to dens at night." And you basically it got bleeped out whatever you said, but you oh, winked no. to the camera. And I don't want you to say it. you might get in trouble, but it certainly looked like <laughs> you may have mouthed the words "shithole." But it was just that that I pushed you over. That that pushed you I, over I, I, with I the fans. You were a hero. That, that, <laughs> I, I cannot confirm or deny, but and we but don't want state, you to. The statement itself is very true. But I cannot confirm or deny that. I ever said that. <laughs> what, what, what was it? What was it like being the away team that night? It was. It was just. It was a little bit of more animosity in the air. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, but then again, first half, I had I had all of our supports behind me, so it was it was you know easy to settle in. Um, and, and like you said, we were on a good run of form. They 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 picked up some good results. So actually, that one is, was a bigger game. And I, I think performance-wise, you know, in the first game, it, it just happens that every shot on goal went in, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was just crazy. And it was just kind of a, a rush of an adrenaline, you know, during the 90 minutes. But I think the, the second game, the 2-0 away win, it was just more of a team victory it was a better performance it was it was we were clearly the better team and and, and we showed that so that's that's my before you ask me that's my favorite game of the whole last year because I just thought you know what you're going in there hostile environment you take the three points and what way to you know walk back past your stadium to get into your car with the fans it was brilliant yeah and the, the, the reason we love it and we've mentioned it to anyone that's played in one that we've been lucky enough to have on that for us as fans it's great because we are beating our friends family members you're getting the bragging rights for a little while and it's it's great and I think that any player that says even walking through Overgate or whatever in the city the banner's quite Good. It's it's not aggressive or anything by any means. Did, did you yeah. ever get a wee a wee laugh for some Dundee fans? Would you get a bit of to and fro in that was a bit of banter, really? No, I got I got some stick the first year when we the first day in the champ when I when I came the first year. Some hey, what was the score today? And I'm just thinking, <laughs> you're bottom of the league. Like, why are you even talking to me? <laughs> There's no reason breed. for you. 
yeah, there's no reason to, to talk to me. But then in the second year, we definitely, uh, in, in last season, we definitely showed them. And, you know, it's great. Like I say, it's great. You know, you can go out, you know, you can have some banter at work and, and, and you know, you know, people, you know, little shady looks over there and all that stuff. But that's, that's, that's what football is all about. It's brilliant. Correct. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, we mentioned we were on that good run. It was obviously on the back of two bad defeats, you know, Aloe and Queen in the South. But 13 games undefeated we went on, which was the real form that probably took us towards the title. Absolutely. It was massive. Um, you know, whenever you can put that many wins in a row, um, you know, if, definitely puts distance between you and the rest of the league because you you know the championship is just going to be a case of anybody can beat anybody on a day and if you you know the other team must have looked at us and went shit oh, they won again oh they won again oh they won mm-hmm. again so it, you know it's definitely gave us that little cushion there uh, you know which kind of stayed till, till the end of the season and can we talk about the ginger James Bond Mark Reynolds <laughs> ruining your clean sheet run yeah, do we have to? Well, or... I can quote you on we what think, he we think said. He done it on purpose. He we said, he done it on purpose. Big Benji was strutting about like a model. Like, <laughs> I've got the clean sheets and I thought, Shankland will score, so I'm just going to knock it in. <laughs> yeah. But you were on a good run. I mean, that was a great run. I know we've got a wee run going just now, but that, that was great as well for, like you're saying, it's building those partnerships with the guys in front of you. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. It was it was a time where we finally put everything together. You know, the whole ninety minutes came together defensively and offensively. You know, we were strong all year, but just kind of put the whole performance together. And I think it was five clean sheets in a row against good oppositions. You know, not just bottom of the league teams. And and um, you know, it, it, it was just massive, and it was a boost of confidence for myself to say, listen, I, I can really do this. I can help the team. And you know, sometimes it's not about every save is about that save that can you can make when the game is about to fall in either direction you know those big saves so I was I was really pleased with that that the work has paid off and, and like I've always said that I, can't, I cannot do it without my teammates you know they they run all the miles they block shots they, they put their bodies on the line but um, you know really 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 wanted to uh, to beat the clean sheet record um, and and really wanted to meet uh, Hamish Um but uh, I'm going to have to get another goal this year then. Yeah, and he, um, mm. Reynolds also told us about he's obviously allergic to AstroTurf. What's it like for a goalkeeper playing on it? Yeah, he's allergic, so am I. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I'm not <laughs> a big fan. Um, I, I just think the game is, is just a little bit, or not just a little bit, I think the game is, is fundamentally different. Um First of all, you have your astroturfs who are old, so they're going to be slow and and and, and rubbery and and quite bouncy. And then you're going to have the astroturfs which are newer. And when it rains, the ball is just going to be going to be slippy, and the game's going to be a little bit faster. But for me, I rather play on a on an average pitch rather than on a good astroturf um, average pitch, as in as in grass. So. Uh, and also the grass burns for a keeper are not always nice because you're going to keep them for the whole of the season. So you, you're going to have to get padded up your elbows, your your shoulders, your hips and all that stuff. So, um, and I do, th- I do think your joints start to hurt after a week of AstroTurf training. So we, we try to take it down that week, you know, that we don't run too many miles on it, but you're going to have to get adjusted to it. So I, I really think if you're a home team and you play there every second week, I think it's it's a massive advantage because you just mm-hmm. know you have a feeling of how the ball falls, how the weight on the pass is, the ball's going to sit up, you know, and you look at the teams that play on Astro, most of them are long ball teams, if you will. 
Um, so if that's a web, if, if you play a long ball and the ball's just going to stop and you have to strike a chase and the defender down, the striker's in an advantage when it comes to AstroTurf and them being used to it. So listen, don't I don't want to make excuses. That's not that's not what we do. But yeah, we we will have to get better on AstroTurf and 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 knowing it's not not exactly our favourite. I don't think any professional players would prefer it. None, not one. Yeah, it's 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 a hard one. I, obviously, it makes sense in some countries where it's really cold. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the Russian teams have it. We have a couple of teams in Switzerland. Um, but there are other financial aspects to it, which I'm, I'm Clearly, sure could yeah. make use use of it. Which is, you know, it's legit. So as long as it's allowed, it's it's obviously a legitimate surface to play on. But I, I definitely think the astroturf. I just think your ankles and your knees. It just puts so much more stress on them because there's no give. There's no, you know, there's no bounce effect on when you cut in grass when you got studs on or molds on. So, so I do think it's it's a little bit of uh, a hazardous surface. What's it like facing shots on it? You know, what's the big deal? Yeah, like well, I said, a bit of rain on it, it can really zip. Yeah, it really skips off and it, it kind of doesn't skip up. It skips flat and actually accelerates a little bit. Uh, but then again, on a, on a on a on a dry day, you might just you know that dipper might just sit up a little bit and and hits you in the face, you know. So and and obviously you don't want the ball to come off you. You don't want to spill the ball, so you have to adjust to it. So that's why you have to train on it previously to kind of get that just a little bit of feeling on it. But like I said, if if you're just used to it and training on it every day, it's just not the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the season was called, uh, obviously early due to every, the world stopped spinning. Was there a point? in this season that you thought we've done it you know this will be enough um, well I was always fairly confident when we had you know however I think it was 18 points or whatever so I was always confident that we could see it through but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a case of hanging on and seeing it through it was just a case of being professional and trying to win the next game really uh, it's obviously nice to have that cushion and and not saying you can relax, but it's it's just not going to be it's not going to be a must-win game every week. But then again, you want to be undisputed champion, so you have to you have to do it in style, and which I believe we would have done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we picked up a few draws and maybe would have lost the game where start of the season we wouldn't have. But you know, end of the day, it was fourteen points or whatever. Like you know, look back, who wins a league by fourteen points? By all due respect, you know. So. Um, but definitely the Inverness game because it was a scrappy game. The wind was was awful. The rain was awful, and and they came to our house and they were kind of the last challenger standing. Um, so um, that was kind of you know two one. You know that was kind of like the last last nail in the coffin. And it mm. was um, you know some way to finish the football for the season. Dylan Power scoring a world day in Mark Connolly's boots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't know till after the game. I didn't know till after the game that the kit man, you know, absolutely messed that one up. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's never worn him since. I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't worn him since. But uh, but yeah, what a goal that was. Yeah, never. The, the guys you were know. telling me about him. He, he's a he's a great lad to have around, Dylan. He's obviously vegan and stuff. And where people might offer out a chocolate biscuit, he's offering peppers to people. Just, <laughs> just have a pepper. Each, you know what? We just sat at lunch, and then obviously, you know, if it's a birthday or whatever, you, you bring a little bit of chocolate or a cake and stuff. And he just opened the fridge and start munching on a pepper. And we're just like, "Are you all right? <laughs> like, you know, why don't you why?" Can't have a piece of chocolate. It's not going to kill you. <laughs> but but uh, he, he, sta- he started to eat fish now, 
which is which is uh, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but he started to eat fish now and give give gives fish a go. So mm. really proud of him. Yeah, yeah he, he seems like a brilliant guy. He seems he man, is, Ian man. to to a degree as well. Especially when we we're, we're allowed to do stuff, they seem to get out and see a lot of the country and really want to learn about what what they're involved in the two of them. Because you've got to imagine they're, they're miles from home. Yeah, absolutely. I, I every weekend they're somewhere. They're, they're somewhere outside and they're hiking and all that stuff, taking pictures and uh, and uh, you know, I, I suppose if you're from America and and, and uh, you you're coming across to Europe into Scotland, which has some has some nice uh, you know uh, scenery and stuff, uh, which I've seen as well. So you might as well make the most of it. Yeah, uh, mm. not the way we wanted the season to end, but good to be confirmed that we were the champions in the end. Yeah, um, bittersweet. I have to be honest. I was, I was, yeah. Just feel like, just feel like that. That those memories of the last game of the season, getting that trophy, having your families there, having your fans there, and you know, finally, like you said, it was was our fourth year down there to just share it with you guys, with the fans. It would have been, it would have been ten times better than what it was now. Uh, obviously, we understand it was necessary at the time to 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 have the lockdown, and you know, we as players, we obviously can't control that. But you would have just have a better sense of accomplishments because all those memories, when you look back, you're gonna have pictures with the trophy, you're gonna have trophy day, you're gonna have all those memories with your with your, you know, you've got your family, you see your teammates more than you do your family. You know, let's mm-hmm. be honest. So just <clears throat> just that sense of accomplishments amongst us in the team just would have made it so much better and, and finally for the fans you know to share it with you guys but you know it wasn't meant to be and Las Vegas <laughs> yeah Vegas would have been nice as well so <laughs> uh, um, not gonna lie yeah. how was yeah. um, how was lockdown for you yeah lockdown was at the start it was it was difficult because I kind of trying to stay stay on edge trying to stay ready because you never know you know, are you going to go back to play and what's going to happen? Try and stay fit. You know, I ordered all those gym equipment um, to stay fit and all that stuff. So it was just kind of a, of a thing of you're not doing anything, but you can't really switch off. Um, and then obviously as, as the time go on, the confirmation came, you know, I just, I was on my balcony. I just, I just saw Harks walk by and kind of thought, you know, is that, is that it? Like, it's, we just waved at each other and went, hey, well done, congratulations. But, you know, because we live next to each other and that was kind of it. So, um, you know, lockdown was, was, I think it was difficult for some people. And um, I tried to make the most of it and trying to, you know, stay fit, maybe work on some stuff uh, because I had some gym equipment. So I was trying to work on some stuff. And then eventually I thought, you know what, I'm just going to need a break here. Um, and then we got given the programs and stuff. And I just, I just thought like, you know what, I need a break here because it's going to be, it's going to be a whole year of football again. And, and, you know, your body needs to rest at times, you know, you can't just mm-hmm. go a hundred percent all the time. So I said, you know, what, I'm going to take two weeks off and do nothing. And, uh, and, um, which helped me a lot because I felt like I benefited from that break more than I, than I would have if I just worked out through it because I think you're going to burn out at the end of it. So, yeah, and then before you know it, you, you start pre-season again, you know, and then it starts all the, all, all the fun starts again. Was it more yeah. frustrating because you, you know, you, you were in Dundee, you couldn't really travel, like you couldn't get home or anything like that? Couldn't go home, yeah. No, I, I thought about it and then Switzerland was quite strict at the beginning, whereas the, the UK or Scotland was a little bit more relaxed. Um, 
And then for me, it was just a case of do I fly home or do I maybe drive home? Uh, I think driving would have been difficult with France being being a country that was quite was hard, quite uh, hit quite hard. Um, and then I thought, you know what? If if I go back and I have to quarantine and we have to finish the season, I'm going to miss training here. So that's that's not going to happen. So yeah, I decided to stay here or was forced to stay here, which you know Dundee's my home. Don't get me wrong, but it, it would have been nice to see the family back home, especially in tough times. So. So I haven't been I haven't been back since since January now. Mm. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned pre-season. What was it like going back to pre-season under the kind of COVID restrictions at the time? Yeah, lo- loads of new rules and loads of stuff you 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 never thought you'd have to do. So uh, you know you get changed at home. You, you go in your car. You get there. You get your temperatures checked, and then you just about use every hand sanitizer you can find. Um, you know, go. Goalie training was, I had my ball and I, only I was allowed to touch it. And then Dennis had his ball. I wasn't allowed to touch his ball. Um, so, and then we trained in groups, um, you know, three groups of six at the time and all that stuff. So it was it was just a bit surreal and a bit weird of, you know, how long is this going to be? But it was good to be back playing football. Although were, you, were, the, were the goalkeepers not in training a wee bit earlier as well? Yeah, so... <laughs> So the goalkeepers got shafted, so we had to train at quarter to eight. <laughs> so I was not happy about that, I have to say, because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and even on a normal training day, I'm not awake by quarter to eight. And <laughs> if my coffee sets in, I'm just about awake by 10. So it was definitely, definitely not good for me. But um, yeah, we got an hour done from quarter to eight till quarter to nine. And then you had a 15-minute slot where you kind of, you know, the training group leaves the stadium at one end, kind of a one-way system. And then yeah. uh, the new the new boys have their protocol of coming in and, and Corona tests. And I remember the first Corona test and thinking, oh, no, that's, that's not going to be good. That's, it's quite awkward, that stick up your nose and, and, and in your mouth and all that stuff. And But, uh, yeah, eventually the, 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 the restrictions, um, you know, came off a little bit and then we started to have contact and, you know, finally some tackling and some 11 v 11, which was, which was good to get that little progress. Callum Butcher, first, mm. first tackle? Has to be. 100%. 100%. I think he tackled the pole because he missed it so much. <laughs> How, uh, have you got used to getting the COVID test on a weekly basis? Does it get any easier? No, it doesn't get easier. It's just it depending mm. on who does it. If the doc does it, it's okay, and and we have a we have a nurse that comes in who she's quite gentle. But if the physios do it, they they seem to hammer it. <laughs> so they they seem to really dig for gold in there, you know. But uh, <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad it's only once a week uh, rather than than twice a week like it was before. Yeah, mm. uh, and obviously the summer that came with another changing manager do you feel as a goalkeeper you had to prove yourself again to, to be the number one under Mickey Mellon this time uh, yeah I, I think I had to prove myself anyway because we were ste- obviously stepping up a year and, and, and I, try, I tried to build on what I thought was a good season for me personally so I tried to you know develop myself even further and then a new manager comes in and you know as a player whenever a new manager comes in everybody kind of starts from scratch you know and it's just it's just one of those things in football. It's just whether you like it or not. That's that's just the case. So, um, yeah, he was he was he was obviously watching some some film, you know, to get to know us players, and and um, you know, we got to know him a little bit. And uh, it's it was yeah, it was definitely a case of you know, put your best foot forward and try and make a good first impression. Has he 
with him coming in, does he come in with new ideas for you then? Like, are you playing differently in your position uh, and uh, like, un- unlike you would have been under Robbie or Shaba or anything? Um, well, so when we started the last preseason, the new uh, rule with the with the playing out from the back came in that you can take the ball in the box. So we obviously had a, a spell in preseason where we tried to train that. And I think the first game of the year, we had that thing where I flip it onto Konza's head. He heads it back to me and I kick it which shortly after the referee told us off and told us not to do that again. So <laughs> that, that, that got binned after the first half. So, um, but it was definitely an emphasis on that. And then after that, we kind of gone to our normal ways um, of, of playing from the back. So um, not really because, because, because uh, the, the new gaffer, the gaffer now, he was just like, play what you see. If you feel like you can play from the back, if you feel you can take a quick goal kick or whatever, do it. Like, I'm not going to say, don't do that, don't do that. If you decide to go long, make sure everybody's squeezed up. And if you decide to go short, make sure, you know, make sure it's a solid pass as well. So it kind of gives you, or kind of gives us keepers the freedom to just, you know, if you think it's on, do it. If you think it's a good idea, do it. And then ask questions later, where after the game you say, you know what, maybe it wasn't on. Or, you know, a minute before the half, why did you go for a quick goal kick? Could you just... Taking it, taking your time, kick it longer. You know, it's going to half time mm. or whatever. So, it's about managing the game. Sometimes, you know. Um, so it gives, it just gives, gives me the freedom. To say, listen, play what you see. Mm. What do you make of the, the this new f- fad that's come out with a, with we call it a goal kick, a place kick, where the keeper literally kicks it two yards to his left to his defender? I just think it's madness. <laughs> You're just inviting trouble on it, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm not saying we do it. I'm the, the one that springs to my mind is I saw Arsenal do it the other week, where yeah. Leno k- kicked it two yards to David Luiz and he kicks it over to Tierney. Yeah. And I'm just thinking you're just inviting trouble on. Why are you doing that? I think I think it, it depends on every team and what players they have. You know, if if you think about Arsenal's football, it's, it was always like that in the middle of the pitch. So for yes. them, it was probably just a case of well, we're just doing it in our own box now, which which obviously they feel comfortable with or other teams don't feel comfortable with. And I, I think mm. it's just, like I said, does it make sense to do it every time? Probably not. Does it make sense to kick along all the time? Probably not because you, you want to have some, some mix up, you know, you, you're going to have some, some bad passes and you're going to lose a goal. But the, I would, I would think the philosophy of the teams that want to do it is we get more joy or more upside of doing it than not doing it. So if yeah. you look at, like you said, all those, those man cities and all that stuff, they just, they just do it like a keepo session for them. It's second nature. Whereas probably the pitches over here probably doesn't don't allow you to play it in squared in the six yard box, and it's probably mm. something I wouldn't feel too comfortable with because I think it, it does invite pr- unnecessary pressure at times, especially in a league where you get pressed all the time. You know, so mm-hmm. um, I would say I would say it's mixed. You know, but but then again, you can you can you can limit the dangerous passes out from the back. Um, while you just take it 10 yards further forward. You know, it's, it's just a case of once the goalkeeper touches the ball, the striker can go after it. And, and you know, it's kind of the case on a goal kick anyway, so it doesn't really change much. Yeah. yeah. How um, how have you felt with the, the step up in division personally and collectively so far? Yeah, I was, I was really looking forward to it. And, um, you know, like I said before, that feel of accomplishment of finally getting out of that league and, and you know, playing the big teams in the country, you know, um, you know, the, the, the first game, obviously 
kind of looked at uh, we were one nil up at half time. The goalie coach said, "See, Premiership's piece of piss. You know, you can't do so hard." <laughs> and then, you know, we conceded in the second half, and I went, "Oh, you you jinxed me here." But uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's it's definitely it's definitely a, a step up where it just comes that all all the little mistakes they just get punished on a, on a bigger bigger level on a bigger scale. So you just have to be you just have to be switched on. You know, ten out of ten times, and and obviously we we had lost some goals where it was just that one instance we just couldn't defend properly or we just switched off a little bit and we have to learn from that and I think we've learned from it because we had you know consecutive clean sheets now whether it was in the cup and in the league now so it's, that's definitely one way of looking at it saying listen the boy, the boys have really improved and all that stuff so I was on a podcast yesterday where they asked me well the statistics say last year you had more shots from distance where this year you have more reaction saves and that's and that's simple to explain because if you come come up against better opposition, they're going to have more of the ball, which means they're going to pass it around you a little bit more, which means they're going to have crosses, which means they're going to be closer to your goal. Whereas last year, you know, other teams they they probably did, at times they didn't get to our box, so they had to shoot from 20, 30, 40 yards to to have an attempt on 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 goal. You know, so that's a little bit of different I experienced so far. Yeah, and uh, obviously we were so unlucky against Celtic. But like you're saying, it's maybe those just tiny margins that that can uh, kill one. Kilmarnock and Rangers, bit of a reality check. But since then, you know, bounce back wise, one defeat in the last seven, and you've picked up three clean sheets out of four. Yeah, no, like I said, the the trend is going upwards, and the trend is positive. And I think I think coming into preseason, we were one of the teams that started preseason quite early. To, in compared to other teams who might have only had three or four weeks. So I think start of the season, because we started so well, was down to our fitness. But then fitness only gets you so much. And then other teams are gonna gonna catch up on that. And you know, like you said, those two bad results back to back were kind of a reality check, you know, saying like, you know what, this is this is life in the premiership. And and and, and to be honest with you, it's always gonna be an up and down the first season back up because those little you know those 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 two one wins against Arbroath, they're not going to happen in the Premiership because the oppositions are better. You're not going to score maybe in the 95th minute until you adjust to the level of football in the Premiership. So I think we've done a really nice job of adjusting ourselves and and kind of dusting us off at times. You know we took heavy defeats and just said, listen, we keep going. Manager sets the route like, listen, lads, this is what we want to improve on. All the players want to improve individually, want to improve as a team, want to improve and. Which is in, in 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 pursuit of the next level as well as a football club and and as players as the quality we play in. What's your what's kind of the the goal for you or the aim for you personally this season? Have you got anything in particular you want to can achieve? Is it more shutouts? Is it you know just collectively we get better or an aim? I know top six has been thrown about as fans. We want to stay in the yeah. league and we'll accept if it's no pretty sometimes. But you know <laughs> it's it's just you know, being back, it's getting in the league, but for a goalkeeper, for you, you know, you, you don't want to be defending for 95 minutes every, every week, do you? Well, it means I'm busy, which means I can make some saves, so you can look at it that way, but, uh, but I definitely like to have some quieter nights, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's a little adjustment period personally, because I don't, I, I never experienced the Scottish Premiership, so you kind of don't know what you're getting into. Um, you had a little bit of taste with the playoffs, and they had a taste with the cup games against uh, against Hibs. So you know they 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 showed pretty clearly that it's a more physical league, and like you said, the, like we said, the the, the mistakes going to get punished. So you know 
what the goalkeeper gets measured at is, is clean sheets, you know, whether it's a statistic you like or don't like, you know, you can have a fantastic game and not have a clean sheet or you can have nothing to do and people go, oh, he was brilliant, he had a clean sheet. So the statistics not always support what's actually going on. Um, but but then again, I can me- measure myself against other goalkeepers in the league who are established goalkeepers, international goalkeepers, and 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 compete against the strikers, top teams, and 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 better players. So it's definitely trying to push my boundaries and trying to develop my game, have more consistency, add add things to my skill set that I want to improve on. And 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 I'm pretty sure my teammates think of that way. You know, you know, as a defensive unit, can we can we compete against the striker unit? In what the Premiership asks us, you know, to do. So. Um, like I said, the, the trend is going positively. Like you say, it's not always pretty. Um, but, you know, you can have pretty football and, 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 and zero points, you know, or you can have a scrappy game and take a win or take a point. So I, I know what I would have prefer. Um, so, but let's not forget, we, we are in our first year at the Premiership level. And I, I think so far we're doing, we're doing good. And the, the best goalkeeper in the league, according to the manager and us. That's nice praise. It's it's nice to hear, yeah. I uh, I you know I, I just try and do my job every weekend. So, like I said, the, the goalkeeper sometimes gets the headlines if 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 you get a clean sheet, then you had a couple of saves. Like the striker gets the the headlines if he scores a, a tap in from two yards out. So um, you know it's nice to hear, but in, and and it, you know it drives me even even more to do even better and to become even better and and, and improve. How desperate are the players for fans to be back at Tannadice? Yeah, there's no question. We're like, we need you back ASAP. You know, it, it's just, you know, sometimes football without fans is just a serious practice sometimes, you know. It's um, it's not the same. It helps me communicate on the pitch so I don't have to scream as much. But, but you know, football without the fans, it, it's just wrong. It sounds wrong. It looks wrong on TV. Whenever I watch a game and there's some artificial crowd noise, it's, it's, it's terrible. I, I really don't enjoy it. And, you know, we don't enjoy playing in, in front of empty stadiums as well. So, um, you know, we really need to, well, we hope there's a way that fans can come back in some sort of capacity. You know, we understand there's there's a pandemic going on and everything and we need to keep people safe. But, you know, I, I think in an open open environment with people wearing masks and, and, you know, obviously there are countries who have done it, who have gone now into lockdown again, which is obviously not, you know, it doesn't really support that thing, but you know, we're desperate for you guys to come in and 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 support us, and and you know, fans can make you know they can be that little difference in a game as well, push you forward, hundred percent. We hundred percent believe that, and and you know, we just we just hope it's going to be sooner rather than later. I think as well, with no fans there, you know, you hear everything from the bench. I mean, anytime, you know, any of the home games this season, it's been great to hear sort of the manager the whole time or, or yourself or anyone in the park it's really interesting but then when you see it on the TV as well it's like oh come on I've, we've done this you know and I, I'm not for the <laughs> artificial noise either which is so frustrating um, you've been in the club now you know a couple of years how much has the club changed in the time for you walking in the door to sat here now with this award winning podcast I'll get that in Paul don't worry <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's been it's been quite some transformation, I have to say. Um, you know, like like I said, it's been a couple of years, and it's been night and day. Um, just just you know, looking at the professional side and 
the way the club supports us players, you know, we've got we've got a new chef who, you know, who's who's amazing, cooks amazing food, who cooks nutritious food. We've got good staff um that have so much knowledge, you know, when it comes to uh, sports science and all that stuff. We you know, we see changes with the team bus, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the fans have seen it yet, but the new team bus is is amazing, looks really really cool. And um you know, it, it, it's just it's just the little things, you know, that the canteen's been made up for the players. And I, I think I think the, the boxes and the lounges at the stadium, they've been kind of uh, renewed and, and painted and all that stuff. So it, it, it's really come on a long way and you can really see like the, the club is moving in a, in a really good direction next next to being very, very ambitious. It, it's it's it, you know, it tries to do everything. And, and I think we had some some events last year with the fans, which I think in previous years, weren't weren't there you know that connection between player and fans interaction you know I remember the the signing session at, at the overgate and stuff it's little things like that that you know are put in place you know for really you know for really for the fans to kind of have that touch with the players and I think it's really really important yeah definitely mm-hmm. um taking a look at you know most times when if people have been when they've been allowed over to train and they'll go over and watch the players and maybe the goalkeepers don't get as many people watching them what's a normal training week look like for the goalkeepers under neil alexander yeah so you know luckily neil was a, a top top goalie himself so he understands that who you know, told you that to... was that neil that told you that yeah, he, he definitely tells me twice a week that he's a, he, he's a better goalie. Still, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. But uh, you know, um, yeah. So uh, we we have if we play on a Saturday, we've got Monday off, Sunday Monday off, which is which is part of our recovery because those first forty eight hours is where all the inflammation is in the body and stuff. So Monday would be just about get moving again. So you do loads of hands, a little bit of diving. You would you would maybe not have explosive movements as a keeper. You would just do your your standard volleys, your half volleys, your diving to the left, um, diving to the right, low saves, high saves. And then it would be some kind of involvement with the team, whether it's be games or shooting or crossing, finishing, whatever. Then uh, Wednesday is our toughest day. So Wednesday is where, you know, we up the reps. There's going to be anywhere between eight and 10 reps up and down, nonstop sprinting, um, you know, for about 30, 40 minutes where you really get your heart pumping and, that's kind of your main work of the week to keep your sharpness and 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 just to try and get in as much as you can um, with explosive movements, uh, etc. And then uh, Thursday would be your first block of team shape. So we would we would learn a little bit of what we're going to play the weekend, what's going to expect us. First, there's going to be probably the day where we do some crossing uh, because obviously we know that's a big part of of the goalkeeper's game. Uh, goalkeeper's game. And then, obviously, after Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, there's just going to be a gym. So Tuesday is going to be upper body in the gym. Uh, Wednesday is going to be a leg session in the gym. Thursday is going to be upper body again, which our goalkeepers tend to do a little bit more than everyone else. But that's just that's just us. Um, and then Friday, it's it's kind of a short and sharp. Maybe start off with a little bit of head tennis because we started head tennis since we've had a good run of form. So we're not going to bin it. Um, and nearly gets to cheat, which is which is obviously another thing. And uh, um, little reaction saves, little short and sharp movements, slow, uh, you know, come down on the reps, keep it to maybe three or four reps, and then it's uh, team shape, and then little set pieces at the end, and, and that's kind of the week. So the main the main work is 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 on is on Wednesday and Thursday. Mm. 
Is there ever any games between you guys where there's maybe a coffee on the line or somebody's got to... 100% every yeah. week there's something, yeah. Neely likes his coffee, so so we definitely we definitely play all the time, whether it's head tennis. We had a competition today where we just did 30 volleys. Uh, as soon as you drop one, you're out. Um, just want to declare myself the winner on that one, <laughs> officially on your podcast. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 definitely it's definitely you know the goalie group is such a, a special group that you're all kind of in competition but you're a team within the team you know your your position is special and you know only one's going to play but i think it, it's a very competitive environment we've got also young jack who, who've come in who's coming uh, this year so um we're trying to teach him the ropes a little bit um do as i say not do as i do is obviously the best way to go um so it, it, it's just, it's just, you know, there's always competition going on for coffees or for cakes or just anything, bragging rights. It doesn't matter what it is. Training is always competing. And I think that comes from Neely because he, he just sets the standard and, and, you know, he's, he's kind of in his first job as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, came in at the same time as I came in, you know, and, and, and I think we have a little, you know, that, development over us with him being first time as a coach coming out of playing regularly and you know he's been brilliant he just he just you know whatever you you can talk to him as I listen at why are we doing this like what do you feel like can we maybe do a little bit of that I feel I need a little bit of this and you know Dennis and Jack and we can always speak to him and 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 it's it's a really good relationship with him and and really enjoy training with him. Some people probably maybe don't notice on a match day or especially just now when they're not in the stadium but the goalies are out really really early on a match day is that a mental and physical thing just to get yourself in the mood or could you talk us through the pre-match routine because if people probably won't see it at all yes I think everyone's different everyone has their own rhythm before a game their own superstitious if you will so I normally try and come out an hour before before the game so I, I give myself plenty of time and you know, obviously, I, I completely get changed after the warm-up. I'd like to have everything clean. I change my gloves, change my boots. I want everything to be clean. So when I go out there and I look good, I feel good, so I can perform good and all that stuff. So, you know, some 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 goalies like a little training session before the game. I like to keep it light, just a couple of volleys, half volleys, try and cover everything I need to do in the game, whether it's kicking, crosses, saves and then I'd like to take a few shots from the strikers because that gives me that match feeling that match tempo and then yeah go in uh, you know have have a little maybe five six minutes to myself I just gather my thoughts and and, and get ready and and then the boys come in and then you know the gaffer has his last words and 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 then you go out so everyone's different and and obviously if Dennis does the warm-up he he likes to do different things He, he feels like he needs different things and it's very individual yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Like, say for because, like you've just mentioned, you guys are alone but part of a team within your own yeah. own team. So it's always interesting. Like sometimes I've known you got the music on and you came out at two o'clock, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, well, somebody's late. I'm going to blame it on him. Um, right, a couple of uh, quick fire questions just to finish things off as we've looked back at that. And we do appreciate your time. Who's the dressing room DJ and what are the playing? Could be at training or pre match. Yeah, before the games, it's normally Nicky Clark. He's normally the first one. I think that the music box doesn't even connect to another phone. It's just it just searches for his phone and his music <laughs> comes on. So it's a bit of a bit of dance music, a bit of some sometimes a bit of disco. Um, so before the games, it's a lot about you know bass and and beat music. So 
Um, I remember the the boys Slayer like, you know, having a go at me for me being DJ sometimes because I like to mix up. Don't like to listen to house all the time. I like some hip hop and R and B, but uh, you know they they don't know they don't always agree. But you know there you go. They have to put up with it. Are you having Nicky <laughs> Clark selections? Is he passing or failing as the DJ at the moment? Yeah, we've got we've got a little playlist, so it's always about this, roughly the same songs, roughly the same songs. All right. And how do you spend your days off away from the football pitch? Well, at the moment, it's quite quite difficult. Um, you know, um, not not really up to much. Um, I normally try and have a long sleep, try and lie in, um, and then you know whether it's it's just chatting to my family, watch a little bit of TV. Um, I don't know. I have so much gym gym equipment at home that I just can't sit still. So I might I might end up doing a little workout in the spare room or something like that. So I, I don't really like days off too much. Um, mm. in the sense of that I feel really stiff the following day so I like to keep it keep it moving but um, you know there were times where some, I was drawing at times drawing little pictures and try to pretend to be an artist um, you know there's other times I listen to a lot of podcasts um, so I, it gives me a chance to catch up on those and, and just about various things about football about what's going on in the world trying to stay tuned and stuff like that so um, very very boring to be honest very boring don't, <laughs> I don't play any video games I'm rubbish at FIFA like yeah it's just not my world yeah, if, if the world was still spinning a, a year ago what would you what would you have done differently I mean you've said you've been out and about in Scotland and stuff do you just like to go out and about and explore a little bit yeah my sister came up and then she 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 she's like oh, let's, let's go and see Loch Ness I was like yeah okay um so we did that on a day off. Uh, obviously, went to to Stonehaven. Just, just, just. I, I think I, I like being in in the nature, but I also like to be just by myself and chill by myself and and read a few books, a few books about athletes and stuff like that. And 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 yeah, I would just go out. Like you know, back in the days when we were able to go to coffees, meet with the boys, and have coffees, have little chats, and all that stuff. Obviously, I miss, we we all missed that. I missed that. So. Um, but now it's pretty much you just just get home from training and and, and you know it's not much to do, is there? No. Nope. Who's uh, <laughs> who's most likely to get fined? Ian Harks. <laughs> Ian Harks. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's You're just, it, yeah. Every week there's something. People need to pick it, hair bands it, up, posters of Paul. Yeah. It, it just it just has a nag of leaving stuff. It's just on the training pitch. Is his bottle? Is his jumper? Or socks in the wrong in the wrong um, laundry bag, or it's, it's just it's just it's just a mess. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, how many languages do you actually speak? Um, well, three and a half. Um, there's obviously it's obviously in Switzerland we speak German, so it's 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 a Swiss German accent, which is I always compare it to Scottish and English. You know, it's the same language, but it's not. Um, <laughs> no, um, like I, I, yeah, I, I speak French. So obviously, when Jondo came in, I, I tried to support him a little bit and, and translate for him. I, I can understand Italian, uh, but I can't speak it as well. I've only had it for a couple of years in school. Uh, do speak English sometimes, and um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> uh, that's impressive. What's your pre-match meal? Pre-match meal is uh, a bagel, uh, ham and cheese omelette. Uh, peanut butter on the bagel some potato wedgies half a piece of chicken 
some greens and 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 beans. That's it. I wouldn't be able to move after eating all that. You're no, throwing it's, yourself it's, about all over Scotland. Yeah, well, you know, it's three three hours before the game, so it should be dige- digested by now. <laughs> Uh, what advice would you give to young goalkeepers? Um, I think I think just go and enjoy yourself. Go and enjoy being a goalkeeper. Try and learn from from you know if you have a goalkeeping coach, brilliant. Try and learn from him. Try try you know. I think I think there's no right or wrong way of being a goalkeeper. Find your own style and try and mm-hmm. optimize your own style. You know, there's no point if you're six foot five like me. There's no point comparing myself to a goalkeeper who's five foot nine it's just it doesn't look the same it doesn't feel the same you can't replicate the same movement so find whatever's worked for you you know whatever works for you try and you know try and do extra stuff i'm always a believer if, if you work hard you know it's the luckier you get you know so um just just enjoy being a goalkeeper and love making saves what's the most important factor when choosing a goalkeeper glove uh <sighs> There, there, there are a few. Um, the cut, obviously, there are different cuts for for people out there. there there's a flat palm. There's a inside palm. There's a negative palm. There's a roll finger. There's a hybrid finger, which is all people probably don't know about. So it's it's just whether they're tight on your hand, whether whether the fingers are wider. Um, the, obviously, the grip it needs to be a good grip. So I have a wet grip because because obviously it tends to rain a little bit in Scotland. Um, so that's a good. Ch- and then just the fit. Uh, it just has to feel comfortable. It can't, you know, it can't pinch anywhere on your fingers. Uh, it has to be the obviously it has to be the right size. The, I, I like my gloves tight so I can feel the ball a little bit better. I don't like too much wiggle room. Um, and and I'm very lucky. I have a good good sponsor. Who kind of, you know, whatever I wish they they kind of provide. Now the serious questions. That's the, that's the first goalkeeping question you've asked on that podcast. Yeah, about that, that's the last. <laughs> research, research. <laughs> uh, there's a hundred meter race between the squad. Who wins? Ooh. Um, See, this is the level of question so I, we usually go I, with. I, I, I tell you who's at the back. Uh, me. Um, <laughs> um, hundred meter race. I don't know. Paul McMullen is just—he's a little rocket. Um, Nicky Clark is obviously fast. I, I don't know if they have the endurance for 100 meters. I don't know. Mm. I Maybe don't know. Take I think, it to 50. Yeah, if, if it's, I don't know. Not sure about that one, to be honest. Um, Jamie Robson. Jamie? Jamie Robson has a good stride. Um, trying to see and I, I need to check with the stats but I'm not I'm not too sure about that one yeah we, we've just started dealing in stats on this podcast it doesn't suit us at all um, <laughs> favourite TV series favourite TV series uh, oh, there's so many uh, Entourage was big I liked Entourage Suits Suits was good um, what else uh, I, li- I like some crime stuff some crime stuff. Uh, when I was younger, CSI was, was good or Unsolved Murder Mysteries on Netflix and all that stuff where you get mm-hmm. a little bit of chills. Uh, none of the horror stuff. Get too scared. <laughs> so, um, I have to get the lights on and everything. None of that. None of that. Stuff. <laughs> it's not good for my for my blood pressure. Um, yeah. And, and just sport documentaries, you know, the Michael the Michael Jordan one was really brilliant, impressive. Yeah, brilliant. Like yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Favourite film? Gladiator. Oh, good film. Classic. Gladiator, yeah. 
Yeah, got a gladiator tattoo. So. Oh, have you? Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, You two can speak tattoos. That's beyond me. We'll we'll keep running out of that. Ah, that's a too grown up for me. Uh, Best game you've played in? Um. Well, level of competition, it probably would have been this year. So probably the Celtic or or Aberdeen was quite good. Um, Partick Thistle away last year when we won 4-1. I I like that one because I think some of the saves came at important moments in the game. Very important Um, moments, yeah. um, You've won a World Cup, Benji. Surely the the World Cup. Come on. Yeah, Yeah, the the final was good. The final was pretty good. Mm. final was a pretty good game yeah no <laughs> listen Benji it's been great to chat to you tonight thanks for giving up a whole load of time to to talk to us too about everything that's been going on in your career it's been great to watch you know for uh, for for all of us the way, the way you've kind of changed around coming in as Putin as the number two now the you know the undisputed number one uh, for the way you're playing obviously it's going to be frustrating to, to watch but it was uh it was great to see we win a penalty shootout and I'm not having a go at you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are. I think you are, but i let you off because it's your podcast. And not mine. <laughs> uh, listen, it's been a pleasure. This obviously goes out on, on Monday, but uh, have you any plans for the for the weekend given we've got the, the no game and we're watching the results but for two hours on I don't Saturday? Know, I, I don't know what I'm allowed to do anymore. You know, like... <laughs> I don't know where I'm allowed to go. Just you know, follow Harks and Powers. They'll they'll take yeah, you somewhere. Yeah, they just go. They just go hiking. Yeah, might might be good shots. And I, I I don't know. Yeah, to be honest, um, you know, I, I always used international breaks to go and see my family, which obviously can't happen now. Or it was a chance for them to come and see me. But um, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a chilled one, chilled one at home. I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, and uh, final yeah. one, do you, is there a an ultimate aim for the end of this where we, sh- where we should be by the end of the season or does it get as many points on the board right now? Uh, a bit of both uh, a bit of both like listen we're fifth now so do we want to hang on to fifth do we want to look towards you know fourth position all that stuff absolutely because we're all ambitious and, and that's the, the ambition of the club but you know on the other hand you can look are we a newly promoted side we just want to stay in the league I think we're better than that I think I think we can do better than that so get as, as many points on the board absolutely um, but are we looking at safety yes as well so I think it's a mixture I think we just want to squeeze the best out of this season and make good account for ourselves and kind of reintroduce Dundee United to, to Premiership football and, and, and then hopefully once the fans are back in we're, we're ready to take over Benji it's been a pleasure thanks for having me I, I appreciate it and uh, hopefully hopefully see you soon in the stadium we need you back and, and love the podcast keep doing what you're doing appreciate it so thank you very much to Benji for giving up his Thursday evening I think it was to speak to a couple of arseholes uh, and it was fascinating to know that he's, he's won the World Cup he can speak three and a half languages I mean the man he's, he's a nice guy he's probably too nice at times and uh, it was good fun speaking to him. You know, he spoke to us for 85 to 90 minutes. And a week coming in that is another clean sheet. Yes. Anything that we threw at him, he, he tipped through the post, through the bar, held on to It was fine. He'd done well. He'd done well. So thank you very much to him and to the club for uh, granting us access to speak to him. Yeah, no, it was good. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully, see, we'll, uh, we'll get some 
other stuff we are starting to motion around and see who else we can uh, get in for a wee chat between now and Christmas and after Christmas as well because it's one of those times that if we can get them in the bank now it's a lot easier going forward so we'll see what else comes of it but it was good to, to have someone to, to have a guest on like that you know it's been a while since we had the players and that on and uh, but he was he was good value you know he was good value and your man's got name on it to take you he's too busy paying fines that's, that's very true eh? he seems to be brainless at times <laughs> 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 one of a better way of put it uh, he's, he's, he has a shocker on a daily basis apparently but you know maybe I don't think anybody's willing to pull him up about it because they're they're all getting their Christmas night out paid for Mr Harks so people are happy that he's an absolute shambles I know definitely anyway thank you very much again to the club for uh, for allowing us to to speak to Benji but it was great to great to chat to him the other night right on this day in association with the Arab Archive preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006 Two games today, there was loads to pick from, but we know we had the big chat with Benji and that on there, so I've just picked two games. And we've got two birthdays as well. We'll start with a game that you would have just missed out being at, Paul. It was 1966 at Tannadice. It was in the Intercities Fairs Cup, second round, second leg. It was an all-ticket crowd of 28,000 crammed into Tannadice to see the return match of this fixture. United skipper Jimmy Briggs Passed a late fitness test. Imagine what a fitness test like in 1966. Just See if you're able to smoke 20 fags in a day or something. Ah, hey, a couple of babies and just run a bit. You'll be all right. Ah. Uh, Man United were starting with the same 11 players who won the first leg in Spain, whereas Barcelona had made four changes to the side that lost in the uh, new camp. Ian Mitchell and Billy Haynes scored the goals. And when the final whistle blew, there were ecstatic scenes at Tannadice a few could have believed that United could not only defeat the millionaires from Spain, but to do so with such an emphatic 4-1 aggregate margin was unthinkable. It sent shockwaves all around Europe, and that was 2 for 2 Bang on. Humped them. That's a pump, isn't it? Get up, yeah. That's a pump, That's a pump, You know? That's a pump, um, I've spoke to... Uh, older generations we'll say that have mm-hmm. that were at those games and in and around that time and they both said to me it was a result despite the win in Spain that they couldn't believe could not mm-hmm. believe it happened and what a night that must be what a night it must yeah. be oh incredible I mean I, I was at the one in 87 when uh, when we beat them 1-0 at Tanaday so that was <laughs> that was ridiculous you know you get Barcelona you're just excited to see other star names and then you actually beat them uh, it's hard to take in but uh, yeah that's in the history books 4 out of 4 uh, 1985 next and skipper Paul Hegarty was the hero of United's latest Dens Park success story his goals either side of the interval swung the game in our favour after a robust if uninspired first half after a second went in, it was virtually one-way traffic and a third goal came And when Morris Malpass floated a free kick in the box, substitute John Brown failed to clear <laughs> and Billy Kirkwood ran on to deliver a fierce angular volley, leaving Geddes helpful. It finished Dundee nil, United 3, up yes. John Brown, eh? <laughs> John Brown. Failed to clear. I wonder how, what he was looking for when he failed to clear the bar. The Queen. Mm. Our birthday boys today are both loanees who made an impact while at the club and both were actually signed by the same manager first up is a right back 
who signed in March of 2018, made 15 appearances, scoring two goals. Happy 22nd birthday today to Tony Ralston. I liked him when he was at Tannadice. Same. I thought he was a really good player for us. Uh, and then the next thing I know, he was, was he at St. Johnston? I'm not even sure where he is now. I don't know if he's at Celtic. Or I think he's still at Celtic, yeah. Is he at Celtic? What a... I don't know. He could be doing a job for somebody like he was. He was very good when he was with us, and he was one of the like because we were we were terrible towards the end of that season. Well, he joined uh, in March. Yeah, and he was one of the the only bright sparks in the whole bloody team. But uh, yeah, for somebody that was on loan, he probably cared a lot more than than a lot of them in the team at that point. So yeah, happy memories of Tony. The second is a man who we're pretty sure bleeds. Tangerine, 40 appearances, 15 goals, and a ball here away from rejoining in the summer, we believe. Happy 26th birthday today to Pavel Shafranko. Big Pav. Big Pav. He's, he's got to return at some point, does he? He loves it. Happen. Loves it. He wants it. A lot of people want it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And only 26. You know? I, yeah. I, I, I kind of work out I thought he was older or that, but both, and this is where, look, Win record, points record, football, whatever else. Shaba's record's abysmal, right? It's abysmal. And I was excited by the appointment, I was. But some of the players he brought in, he has to get credit for. Pavel Shefranco, Tony Ralston, Big Benji. Benji Segrist. Yeah. You know, there was definitely good players that did come in. There was definitely shite players as well. I was just about to say. <laughs> complete shite. <laughs> But at least you've got some wee bits there that you're thinking they wouldn't be there if he's not here. We've not seen Powell or look at the keeper Benji's turned into. And we spoke to him about it. It's no great to start with. He took his chance, you know. And look at him now, arguably the best keeper in the league, you know. Yeah. But big path, good man. Uh, so that was it. It was just a couple because we had uh, we had Benji on home to Hamilton on Saturday then. Uh, it's a home win. It has to be a home win. Has, has to be. Has to be. I would uh, I would like a clean sheet, but listen, as long as we win the game. If it's a 5-4 thriller, I'll take it. The Stay Home Scrandis Liga will return as well. Uh, of course, the Stay Home Scrandis Liga mug is up for grabs, depending on your entrance. And Paul will be picking the winner on the episode. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's going to be cool. How do you think we're going to get on, though? Uh, let us know. On social media, we're at Dude Fox Podcast. Do have a great week. Uh, do get behind the national team for another couple of games. Obviously, there's one, as you listen to this, has already been played. Uh, but obviously, there's another game to go in the Nations League, which I still don't understand, but I understand that we need to at least win or get two draws or something to qualify for that in the week we've had. Why no? Why no? It's happening. It's happening. Uh, and as always, do remember, wash your hands and your asshole. <laughs>